Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Donald Trump hitting the campaign trail in New Hampshire, holding a campaign event just six days before the first in the nation primary. With just six days to go until the first in the nation presidential primary, it's shaping up to be Nikki Haley versus Donald Trump. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is shifting resources to the next primary in South Carolina, aiming to pressure former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley in her home state. He'll return here to New Hampshire later this week. I've been campaigning here for 11 months now. Haley is staking her campaign on New Hampshire and setting her sights on frontrunner Donald Trump. Chaos follows him. We can't have a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. And she has grabbed Trump's attention. Nikki Haley is a disaster. Now to Donald Trump's blow-up inside a New York City courtroom where he's accused of defamation and could face a $10 million fine. Donald Trump has already been found liable for defamation and for sexually abusing E. Jean Carroll. The former president taking his defense to the cameras. I have no idea who she was, and nor could I care less. Inside the federal courthouse, Mr. Trump was warned of being thrown out by Judge Lewis Kaplan, citing audible reactions to Miss Carroll's often emotional retelling of Trump's attack on her character and her credibility. Carol's attorney telling the judge she's worried the jury could hear Trump saying, quote, it is a witch hunt and, quote, it really is a con job. Kaplan warned the current Republican frontrunner he may lose his privilege to sit through the trial, to which Trump replied, I would love it. The judge responded, you just can't control yourself. And Trump retorted, you can't either. It's a rigged deal. It's a made up, fabricated story. Carol telling jurors she's received regular death threats since she publicized the sexual assault committed by Mr. Trump. A separate New York jury awarded her a total of $5 million in that case. President Trump is not required to attend these proceedings, which are focused on one very narrow thing, exactly how much Ms. Carroll should be awarded for the defamation Mr. Trump has already been found liable for. And there remains the possibility, Nora, that he may take the stand in his own defense, but that will come with very specific restrictions. U.S. officials confirmed another round of strikes Wednesday targeting Yemen's Iranian-backed Houthi rebels. This comes just hours after the militant group attacked a U.S.-owned commercial ship in the Gulf of Aden. Last week, the United States and its allies launched the first round of missile strikes against the Houthis for its attacks in the Red Sea. The Houthis support Gaza and Palestinians in the Israel-Hamas war and say they are targeting ships they believe are linked to Israel. The Biden administration also on Wednesday redesignated the group as global terrorists. In a statement, Secretary of State Antony Blinken said in part, quote, This designation seeks to promote accountability for the group's terrorist activities. If the Houthis cease their attacks, the United States will reevaluate this designation. Let's go overseas now to the newest signs that the war between Israel and Hamas is widening. Pakistan is the latest country to get caught up in all this violence, blaming Iran for, quote, unprovoked attack on its territory. More from Israel, where Iran's activities are drawing close attention. In an alarming turn, hostilities are now boiling over into the greater Middle East, with Iran launching attacks in Iraq, Syria, and Pakistan in the last two days. Dizzying flashpoints that risk spiraling even further out of control. Sparked by the Hamas massacre on October 7th, and Israel's devastating counteroffensive in Gaza. A deal has just been brokered between Israel and Hamas to deliver additional aid to Palestinians. 
in exchange for medicine to Israeli hostages. More than 130 remain in Hamas captivity. That was Qatar that helped broker that deal. The same country who late last year helped broker a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas that also led to the release of some Israeli hostages in exchange for Palestinian prisoners. The hope is that there will now be more of the same before this regional conflict risks exploding into something much bigger throughout the Middle East. Well, new developments in the case against Daniel Penny, the U.S. Marine veteran charged with a choking a man to death on the subway last May. A judge has denied Penny's request to dismiss the involuntary manslaughter charges against him. A handful of protesters descended on Daniel Penny at the criminal courthouse in lower Manhattan, where a judge rejected a motion by his lawyers to dismiss the case against him. Even so, as he left, protesters shouted profanity-laced threats. After the judge rejected the motion to dismiss, defense attorneys asked for further testing to see how much of a synthetic marijuana was in Neely's blood at the time of the incident. Some people say I was trying to choke him to death, which is also not true. I was trying to restrain him. In a video released through his lawyers last year, Penny said he was just trying to protect his fellow subway riders. The ex-Marine has pleaded not guilty to the two charges in the case of involuntary manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide. Now that the judge has made a decision not to dismiss this case and moves forward, the next court date for Daniel Penny is March 20th. As for when the trial might begin, the judge indicating it could begin as early as this fall. Mike McCarthy will be back for his fifth season as Dallas Cowboys head coach. Owner and general manager Jerry Jones made the announcement Wednesday evening with a statement that said in part the Cowboys will continue to benefit from Mike McCarthy's leadership and that he believes this team is very close to winning a Super Bowl. The Cowboys are 42-25 and 25 in McCarthy's first four seasons. They've won two of the last three NFC East championships. They've made the playoffs in each of the last three years, but they've not gotten past the divisional round. And that includes an embarrassing 48-32 loss last week into the Green Bay Packers in the wild card round. Sid, I just want to say, you are a leader. That's what you are. Uh, you're not a follower. You are a leader. You have been courageous. You have, I, I am, I, I got to tell you, Sid, I love you I love for who you, you are because you show us your heart and your soul all the time. You are the real deal, Sid, the real deal.
jurors as we get you going. 610 here in New York City on this dark and cold Thursday morning. You know, every morning, not every morning, I shouldn't say that. Depends on how I look. I'm still pretty vain. Most mornings, I put together a video on Instagram. Once again, I compel you to follow me on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Facebook as well, Sid Rosenberg. I don't tweet. I don't X. So I put on this uh, video, and usually it's a preview of uh, the show. Some of the guests, if not all of the guests, we've got a great show today. I mean, great. Curtis Sliwa, WFAN legend Joe Beningo, Colonel Jack Jacobs, Michael Goodwin from the New York Post, Bill O'Reilly. I mean, a great show. But I'm wearing today a cashmere sweater that I got from Joseph Aboud. Beautiful gray cashmere sweater. In fact, Lewis, very early this morning, made a comment about my my sweater. You, you love this. Uh, I felt you uh, felt you up actually walking in the hallway. <laughs> yeah. was, uh, I didn't even know what the heck you were talking to me about, but I just <laughs> felt the sweater. That looks good. It does. It looks. Um... Joseph uh, makes beautiful sweaters. I've got about five of them. They're all cashmere. They're all gorgeous. I mean, if Dove Hyken had seen you in this day, oh, forget, forget it. He would have been like another. Four minutes. He already wants to buy me, Joe Viking. Yeah. Yeah. It is so weird. Put that on your Instagram next time. (laughs) So, in the uh, video I made this morning, I made the point you know, there are people out there, and God rest his soul, my dear friend Bernard was one of these people, you know, that uh, they love the four seasons. I'm begging you. I am begging you. Shut the F up. There is nothing, nothing good about the weather the last couple of days, nothing, biting cold, ice. Now, look, I'm walking around Rockaway yesterday, going to Burn Fitness, good morning, Sean Cerrone, wearing a pair of shorts. I don't care. How many people say to me they love the Four Seasons and never leave their house, ever? Maybe they go to work, they go right home. That's it. I'm out. I'm out all day. I'm out all the time. Right? Coming here to work. I go to the gym every day, walking around in shorts. I go for dinner with Sorrentino last night. I'm out with Gabriel at basketball games. I'm out. It sucks. It's cold. It's nasty. It does not put you in a good mood. I'm sorry. If I was retired, 75 years old, like Henry Fonda, Sitting there on Golden Pond, watching the snow and the deer in my front yard. Fantastic. Although, I would never pick that over the ocean, ever. But this idea that when you're still a productive adult, that the four seasons are great, are it's so stupid, don't ever say it to me again. Save that for your friends who believe that bullshizzle. It's nasty. Freezing outside. Those people have never scraped the ice off the windshield. Eh, maybe they have, but <laughs> well, but that's it. That's why all they, they do. Think it's great. They're not walking around all day like me. I walked eighteen blocks yesterday, and I got to walk every day from where the uh, the four train or six train leaves me off on the other side of Wall Street, all the way down to the ferry with that wind blowing in my face. It is not good. It's not pretty. It's not fun. It sucks. You fat people stuck in your house all day watching the snow, that's not a real productive person. So if I sound pissed, I am. 
I got one friend, Eleonora, heading to the Bahamas this morning. I've got another friend who went to Boca yesterday. I've got another friend, you know who you are, heading to St. Petersburg today. <laughs> and I'm freezing my ass off. No, what is the latest with this horrible weather? Uh, it's only going to get kind of worse in the next Don't 24 tell me, hours. Do, do not tell me yeah, that. Yeah, another snowstorm comes in tomorrow morning. Oh, stop it. No. Another one to four inches? Yeah, it's kind of like what the other storm was earlier this week, like one to three inches, but it's enough to make you kind of miserable. I mean, is there anything good about this? Seriously. Well, the one thing I can say is if you can wait until next week, there are days next week where it'll be close to 50 degrees. Okay, great. Then we don't die before next week. Right, you have to get through Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, I saw something about Saturday that said 24 for the high. Yeah, that's the right. The low like 9 degrees and the real feel below zero. Yeah. How's, gonna... that? How's that? Good? That's, oh, that's great. That's great. Don't worry. You dress warm. It's beautiful. You don't go outside. Who are you bullshizzling? You don't then, go outside. Then those people are saying like, well, it's been great. We haven't had snow for about two years or three years. Who cares? Great. Yeah. Thank God we don't. That's good. You ever, oh, take we the, need it. you ever take the Brooklyn Bridge like me and Lou at 4.30 in the morning after a snowstorm? It's not fun. Oh, it's great. You got big trucks about to hit you every step of the way. <laughs> I just don't, I don't understand. It's like, okay, fine. You know, I, I will say this. Living down in Boca for 16 years, I never got bored of the weather. I got bored living in South Florida, and I couldn't wait to come back here to this beautiful city. But I never got bored of the weather. I never got bored, especially this time of year, because from about November through February, you know, the highs barely touch 80. You're in the mid-70s. It's nice. Nighttime goes down to 60. But, man, to become a prisoner, I couldn't even open up my storm door this morning because it was frozen shut. You know what that was like at 4 o'clock in the morning? Come on. Love the four seasons. <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> idiot. Well, it's a good thing, uh, New York. You're supposed to have winter and uh, snow. Yeah, and, this, uh, is, this is great, man. That's why. In the meantime, all these people that claim they love the winter, they're never here. They're in St. Bart's. They're in Miami. They're in Boca. They're in the Bahamas. They're never here. Never. So anyway, no. <laughs> F you two, got it. <laughs> Thank you. you two. You know why I'm sick of you, Noma, being honest? Why is that? Because I feel like you're siding with Lewis Kaplan over Donald Trump. I really do. Who's who's Lewis Kaplan? He's the judge that uh, threatened to oh, throw yeah, right. Trump mm -hmm. and Haba out yeah. of the courtroom yesterday. I don't have any proof of this. I just maybe maybe I'm in a bad mood. I don't know, but well, I, I feel like you're siding with the judge. You, well, I am the leader of the Lewis Kaplan fan club. <laughs> if you can look it up online, you'll see a picture of me. Well, how ugly did that get yesterday? Uh, it got ugly. I mean, he, the judge was ready to throw Donald Trump out, and Donald Trump said, "Go ahead, throw me out." But he didn't get that far. Didn't get. I think he threatened to kick out Alina Hava as well. Right? Yeah. Well, apparently he she he suggested she wasn't prepared in the way she should have been for yesterday's hearing. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. What the hell is going on? Well, well, he doesn't care, Trump. God, he doesn't care. I believe him. You know, of course, uh, I know I'm his friend, and I'm so far up his ass I can check for polyps. I understand all that, but I believe him. Eugene yeah. Carroll. Don't show him this cashmere sweater, for God's sake. Oh, sake, it'll be all know. over. Yeah. All over. You, Sid, whoever made that for you made one of the greatest sweaters of all time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I bought it at Bergdorf Goodman. Kidding, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, couldn't, you couldn't get that lie going no. for more than half a second. So what, what a couple of days for Trump. This guy goes Iowa court, New Hampshire court, New Hampshire court, 
And uh, on a serious note, today he's not doing any of that stuff. No court today, no primary um, uh, out there, you know, campaigning today. Today the Trump family will all be together celebrating the life of his mother-in-law, Melania's mom, who died last week. You may remember he asked this low-life scumbag judge, this Kaplan, to delay the trial a couple of days because his mother-in-law died. And the judge said no. What a piece of garbage. But today the Trumps will celebrate the life of Trump's mother-in-law. Did you know that? Uh, no. I did I did know that, yeah. yeah. What are they going to do? How are they going to celebrate it? Yes. I imagine they'll make some speeches and yeah. nosh on some. But you don't afterwards. know. There hasn't been any uh, any specifics. No. no. Keeping that private, right? Usually they are pretty private with stuff like that. But Nikki Haley, she's just getting more annoying by the day. I, I don't know. She's got to go away. I, I'm begging. She's got to go away. Out there yesterday, we can't afford to have Donald Trump four years of chaos. She has no chance of beating him. I don't care about New Hampshire. I don't care if she wins New Hampshire. She's going to get clobbered in South Carolina. She's going to be done. She can't win. Honestly, she's disgusting. And she's out there blasting Trump. The only, the only hope we've got, her leader as a Republican, she should be blasting Biden. I know the primary pits her against him. I understand that. But we can't afford four years of chaos? Who are you? What have you done? You're a crappy ambassador. You walked out on Trump and stabbed him in the back. You did a decent job in South Carolina. Congratulations. No Confederate flags. But, I mean, who the hell are you? Who is this woman, Noam? Well, you, there is some interesting news overnight that you'll like. You know, there were a number of polls that showed Nikki Haley within seven points of Donald Trump. This morning, it seems that he's taken a much larger lead in some new polls. Of out. course he has. I'll still never forget this couple from Cedarhurst. Nice Jewish people having a discussion online at the ferry. My son was there. Oh, love you, Miss Bernie. You know, the whole same thing. And they're going on and on about Haley. She can beat Biden. And I'm like... Listen to me. Listen. It happened again yesterday on the show with Peter King. Who cares if she... First of all, I have no idea if that's true, okay? People hate Trump so much, they'll vote for anybody else but him, including Republicans. Who cares how she would bear against Biden? She's not going to get there. I keep using the same analogy over and over again. You have to win the NFC and or AFC championship to get to the Super Bowl. This matchup right now between Haley and Trump is the NFC Championship. One of the great analogies you could ever make. Thank Sydney. you, Mr. That President. Thank, great, you. Great. Thank you. I could not put it better. Thank you. When they do the coin toss, you be there. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, this idea that, well, she's going to do better. Who cares? She ain't getting there. She ain't getting there. So put all your trust, hope behind Trump. Stop wasting our time. Do you see what's going on in the world? The world is on fire, and it's not Putin. The Middle East is on fire, and you're wasting time because some poll said that Nikki Haley can beat Joe Biden? What are you, stupid? And that's not even a rhetorical question. That's a real question. What are you, stupid? So you want an answer? Yes. Oh. So the answer is yes. Okay. You're all stupid. Okay. So it was sort of rhetorical. I guess it was.
just put your trust and, and hope and loyalty and all that behind my man Donald Trump. He's our only hope and has been our only hope since Joe Biden won years ago. Not this dopey Nikki Haley or this Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis ran one of the worst presidential campaigns I've ever seen. Good guy, like him, very good job as governor in Florida. What a dip shizzle as a presidential <laughs> hopeful. My God. What are you watching out there, folks? Tell Calm me. the mommy. So finally, somebody made some sense yesterday. <laughs> finally, besides me, I make sense every day, but shut up, Lou. See, you know, the uh, Katsimatidis gets great guests. He does. He really does. Whether it's Sunday mornings, the Cats Roundtable, or Cats and Cosby. So Cats yesterday had my guy Newt Gingrich. Cats is on, of course, from uh, 5 to 6. And Newt just explained what's going to happen, which I've been saying, I don't know, every day for 11 months. Play this, Lou. Newt Gingrich, I love him, the former speaker, cut number eight. Uh, I have a hunch that Trump's going to win. I do, And then, so. it will, then it will be it'll be over. I mean, he will be the nominee. I thought Vivek Ramaswamy endorsing him was very important because Vivek drew votes from Trump. Also, rumors, even MSNBC was covering it this morning. In fact, for the last five minutes leading up to that swill that uh, Joe and me could do every day, they were covering on MSNBC how Elise Stefanik right now seems to be the leader in the clubhouse to be Donald Trump's VP choice. Newt Gingrich with Katz and Cosby talked about it being a woman as well yesterday, not necessarily Elise. And again, Stefanik is getting the play this morning. I love Elise Stefanik. Newt Gingrich, Lewis, cut number seven. There would be a huge advantage to pick a woman. I think that that would help, frankly, soften his image, and I think it would help appeal to the suburbs. But I also think it has to be somebody who can be president. I mean, we've watched with Kamala Harris what it's like to have a vice president who couldn't possibly be commander-in-chief. So I hope he'll look first at, does the person agree with my values? And second, are they competent enough to be president? And then, you know, the truth is, Vice presidents don't add much, but they can subtract. So Trump will win this in the end on his own. But I think that we have a number of very fine uh, women candidates uh, who who could, I think, be very good uh, partners with Trump in winning the election this year and helping profoundly change Washington. One more from my man, Newt Gingrich, once again, courtesy of Katz and Cosby. In my lifetime, Jimmy Carter was always the worst president. It was never even... I didn't even hesitate. Who's the worst president? Carter. <laughs> well, he's got some competition. A lot of us, including me, think Biden is even worse than Carter. And I think Newt Gingrich agrees. Newt Lewis, cut number six. Biden has saved Carter from being the worst president in modern times. Uh, Harris would actually save Biden. She would be so bad, so much worse than Biden <laughs> that you couldn't imagine it. So there you have it. Uh, it was uh, Biden who saved Carter from being the worst president of all time. And according to Newt, Harris will save Biden from being the worst president of all time. All right, folks, big, big guest list about to come your way. Curtis Sliwa, Joe Beningo, Colonel Jack Jacobs, Michael Goodwin, and Bill O'Reilly. Fasten that seatbelt, Sid. It's Sid on a Thursday, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC.
Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Classic, take it easy. We've got a uh, heavenly birthday today. Not a happy birthday, but a happy heavenly birthday today. And Lewis, who would that be, my friend? Uh, Glenn Fry. The great Glenn Fry. Great, great Glenn Fry. Yeah, I, I talk about this a lot with you, but two guys in particular, David Bowie and Glenn Fry, when it started to become a real discussion, real discussion, about me coming back to New York and they were going to team Bernie up with me. I was doing the I Miss stuff every Tuesday from my den in Boca Raton. I had this really cool setup. They actually gave me that setup for the one year I did sports for Ben Meverack on 1010 Wins. It was a wild thing. You'd have um, Judy DeAngelis and Lee Harris heading uh, to me for sports as if I was sitting right there like Mark Renee, and I was in Florida. And I effed up every day. My, it was terrible. But they love me because no one in the history of that job, and probably nobody since, sold like I did. I was doing every update was sponsored by 1-800-Flowers. I was the first guy ever to do Soda Stream. So even though I got everything wrong like Alec does, I'm like, the Mets are in Pittsburgh tonight. I'd get an email two seconds later from Ben. He's like, Sid, the Mets are hosting Pittsburgh tonight. You can't get this wrong. I'm like, I'm in Boca. He's like, yeah, but you got to do your homework. So long story short, I kept the equipment, which was good for a little while. And um, I was doing the IMIS stuff, you know. And um, talks heated up to come back here, thanks to Chad Lopez. And a few others, Pete Morgan, Curtis Sliwa, Joe Vitale, most of the folks were against me coming back, and nobody more against it than I miss. So when you moron send me messages, you owe I miss for this and I miss for that. I own for nothing. He has nothing to do with my talent. I'm a tremendous talent, tremendous. Now, I did learn a lot from Don, and no radio personality has influenced me more than Don, and I love him for that. But he was against bringing me back, that <laughs> son of a bitch. Pulling me all over the place. Yeah, he wanted Mike Lupica. Right. said, don't do not bring Sid back. He wanted Lupica. That would have gone well. But I remember when I was doing those shows that both Bowie and Fry died, and I must have been talking about them, and especially Glenn Fry. So he died on January the 18th of 2016. Got it. That's it. And I landed, as I told you before, after a massive, I mean massive snowstorm in New York at Kennedy Airport, 
eight days later, January the 26th good. of need, 2016. We need snow, then. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that, that it was like 23 inches, bro. Of course. Yeah, and I, got, I mean, I, love, I told you, I left Lauderdale that morning. It was 78 degrees. And I get to my sister's house, Ray Sherry, and my brother-in-law, Albert, goes, hey, grab a shovel. I go, where am I? What, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> and, the ne- <laughs> and the next day, I started working with Bernard, January 27th of 2016. So nine days from today, the exact day, the exact day, I'll be on an El Al airline flight to Israel Next Saturday, nine days from today, will be my eight-year anniversary at WABC. And, folks, you have no idea how big that is. I've been doing this now. I'm going on 26 years. This year I celebrated 25 years in radio, 25 years. I have never, ever lasted more than four or five years at one station, ever, for a variety of reasons. Never my talent or the shows, always off-the-field stuff, if you know what I mean. But uh, we're going on eight years. Eight days will be eight years, nine days, here at um, WABC. So. Oh, so you hit the mark when we're there. What is that now? You'll hit the mark. Well, yeah, unfortunately, it'll be that Sunday, I believe. Uh, it was the 27th, the first day. Okay. So uh, no, day. that'll be Saturday. Excuse me, like Saturday, I just said. Saturday. Right. And then Monday, the 29th, oh, so no will be our first show. Be, uh, you'll, treat it like a, you'll treat it like the eight-year anniversary. No, we will. We'll celebrate... That first day in Israel, our eight-year anniversary. With a big dance. We'll dance. dance. You know. Have some shawarma. Get the water going. Some shawarma. I'm not a big shawarma fan. Well, you're going to become a big shawarma fan. I've eaten it many, many times. My mm-hmm. buddy used to own a falafel place. When I used to go to Brooklyn College, it was a really good falafel place, Middle Eastern place. And I love falafel. I can eat falafel every day, all day. Not great for you, but I love it. Mm. And I've eaten all the other stuff, shawarma, baba ganoush, all that uh, Middle Eastern stuff. Yeah, I'm not. A, I mean, shawarma. The problem with shawarma is well, you gotta have it there. That's the thing. You gotta. It, or it, it gets gamey if you don't uh, prepare it well. Well, it's on that stick all day. Yes, you know? but if you get a if you get a real authentic shawarma from, yeah. you know, a shawarma stand in Israel, it's going to be very. Is, very that, good. is that the specialty there? The shawarma stand? It's the it's the quick fast food. It's you know, if you're walking around and you need a quick bite. Well, let me ask you this, and again, this is completely out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. I've never been to Israel. Yes. Yeah, this is a very, very big deal, folks. It's a huge deal. Huge deal. This is like, you know. This is big. This is the pilgrimage. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Is there any chance that in the six nights I'll be in Jerusalem, I can get myself a decent chicken parmesan yeah, of course. with angel hair yeah, pasta? Of course. Yeah. So they have Italian restaurants. Yes, yes. No, they don't. Yes, they do. They do? Yeah. They're good? No. Why not? Uh, because it's Israel. It's not kosher. Yeah, well, you know, listen. Noam told me only 20% of the people that live in Israel are actually religious. Well, you're not it's less that. than that, actually. Even less. Yeah. Yeah. The rest are Christians and Jews like me. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they have, like, Americanized food. But it's bad? It's not bad. It's just it's it's as you would think it is. So not, Israel's not, being not the, Israel's not known for its food. Is what you're telling me? No, he's, he's wrong unless about it's about Middle Eastern. Oh, what no. Like no. If you go to Tel Aviv, they have fantastic restaurants. That's what Jerusalem I'm saying. Yeah, too. But we're not in Tel Aviv. Yeah, though, but yeah. Jerusalem, you can find good yeah. restaurants. Good. Sushi I'm not saying it's like bad. That. I'm not saying it's bad. What kind of did you say it's bad? No, I'm I asked you can I find a decent one. You said no. You can find better sushi in New York City. Can I put it that way? Who asked for sushi? Asked for chicken parmesan. Maybe I haven't had enough sushi in Israel, then. But who asked for sushi? I asked for chicken parmesan. No one brought up sushi. What? <laughs> what? Who did? No one. He's not coming. I didn't bring up sushi. Yeah. 
Well, somebody, you somebody brought up sushi. No, man. nobody did. You Not? see, you got to stay off drugs. I'd listen, somebody I mean, said geez. sushi other than me. Somebody, <laughs> yeah. somebody said that. And I like sushi. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I can go a week without eating sushi. Somebody's lying here. This is ridiculous. We'll find out. Yeah. Is there a good deli there, like for corned beef and? Uh, uh, yeah, that's kind of more of an American thing, but yeah. I'm sure you can find. Really, it. that's an American thing. You can find. You can so find what? Stuff. So what? What is the? Uh, <laughs> and, and, and Justin, you've been there a million times, but you got to stay out of this. Uh, no, what is the delicacy? When I get there, what what should I be looking to eat? Well, hummus. Do you like hummus? Just say it the right way. I love hummus. Yeah, it's a yeah. hummus. Yeah. So then, that, this, uh, there's uh, nothing better than that. There, right. good falafel, shawarma. You know what shashuka, I actually like? Right. I actually like more than hummus is the uh, the wet one, <laughs> which is gross. I know, but <laughs> tahini. Yeah, I like tahini. Yeah, you yeah. like a little tahini. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Baba ganoush. Mm. I don't like baba ganoush. I don't like eggplant. Like, I hate eggplant parmesan. I hate it. Oh, man. Yeah. What kind of non-Italian are you? Yeah. You don't have to eat that. Like, with every meal, they bring up, a, like, a you know, a plate of Israeli salad. That, I like Israeli you, that's salad. That's usually, like, complimentary. You like so Israeli like, salad, like, though? Like, yeah, the, I do. It's like yeah. the basket of bread they would give you at... Uh, oh, is that right? Yeah. And they come out with that every meal. Yeah. Well, it depends on where you go, I guess. Yeah, but most, most places, yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys know nothing Schnitzel. about Israel. Schnitzel's good. Schnitzel's is good. <laughs> I mean, Gnome, Gnome was more than me. Gnome's probably been 100 more times than I have. Can you call, can you find out, like we all know that King David, we're not staying there, but we're staying at a very, very nice hotel. Mm. Uh, the King David is generally known as the nicest hotel. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, can you find out what the nicest restaurant is? Is there a steakhouse? Yeah. Like yeah, Peter sure. Luger in Jerusalem? Yeah. I don't know if it's Peter Luger, but there's steakhouses. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the, the famous one? I have to go look. I don't know. <laughs> you guys are the you got a Fogo de Chao I mean, right in the heart of Jerusalem. <laughs> by, by the way, a tanning place yeah. in Jerusalem reached out to me. Oh, did they really? Yeah. So if you're, I know you were complaining yesterday there's no tanning spots. No, I meant no, Sid West. Swear to God. Yeah. Can I ask you how they found out I was complaining about? Um, I can hit reply and find out. I But uh, they're called, I have it in my email, but it's a, a place that's in downtown Jerusalem. And is a good tanning salon? They I don't, high pressure that I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, they're good, good eggplant there. <laughs> <laughs> New York looks good now, right? <laughs> Look at that with yeah. the food. It's not a third world country, man. <laughs> the hell's the matter with me? You'll be able to find everything you want to be able to find. I like, guess so. Like, like, pretty easily. But you told me I can't watch the Knicks. I can't you can watch, watch the Knicks. You can. Yes, you can. I can. Yes, you got to go to a sports bar. Yeah, my father watches all the NFL games because yeah. he's a nut for football. Yeah, the NFL is one thing. That's the playoffs. You won't be on in your hotel, but you go to, you go to uh, you know. Right. Well, you're going to be with me, Justin. You're going to have to do all these things for me. You mean turn on the TV? You, you are basically... <laughs> turn it off here. Fine. No, you got to find these things. Okay. I'll find anything you want. I am taking you to Israel for, I guess, how do I say this nicely? I'm your glorified babysitter. You're my, you're my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Traffic with Joe Nolan coming up next. Got a little less glorified, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, dark quick. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. I need Channel 5. Derek, where the heck are you? <laughs> Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Today's mini cast. Oh, look at this. We played this already today. My friends Katz and Cosby. Here's John and Rita talking to our good buddy, Newt Gingrich. Asylum, asylum, right. asylum. It's a lot of crap. No, that's exactly right. And the truth is, I hope the House Republicans stand firm and tell the Senate Republicans, we want a real border bill or nothing. And we're not going to pass the aid to Ukraine without taking care of the American border. Uh, the American border is at least as important to Americans as the Ukrainian border. 
uh, and and I'm I'm very much in favor of stopping Putin, but I'm also really really alarmed at the sheer numbers that Biden has brought into this country and the total dishonesty of their program. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers on the hardwood at the Garden last night. Julius Randle had 31. Jalen Brunson had 30 in his return from a two-game absence. And the Knicks beat the Houston Rockets 109-94. to Brunson missed two games because of a bruised left calf. And Randle struggled without his point guard in a loss to Orlando on Monday, shooting 5 for 18 for 15 points. But the offense was flowing nicely again in the second half last night when the Knicks pulled away after leading by two at halftime. OG Ananobi had 15 points, I should say, for the Knicks who, with the victory, reached the halfway point of their schedule at 24-17 and 17 overall. They'll be right back out there tonight to try and keep it rolling against the visiting Washington Wizards. That tip-off scheduled for 7.30 p.m. out in Portland. The Nets ended up on the losing side of the spectrum, falling to the Trailblazers 105-103 to 103 after Anthony Simons hit a winning floater with under a half a second left on the clock. Mikael Bridges scored 21 for the Nets, but had to leave the game for a time in the second half. After a collision, Spencer Dinwiddie added 19 points for Brooklyn, which lost its fourth straight. Bridges, who is averaging 21.4, Four points and 5.4 rebounds per game returned in the fourth quarter, much to the relief of Nets fans. He is the NBA's active leader in consecutive games played with 432. He has not missed a game in his first five seasons. Now to ice hockey at the Rock last night. The Devils fell just short against the visiting Montreal Canadiens. Final score there, 3-2. to two. After coming back from a two-goal deficit in the third, New Jersey let Montreal get the last laugh, and Coke Caulfield found the back of the net with four and a half minutes left in regulation. Hughes and Holt scored power play goals for the Devs in the opening two minutes of the third to tie it, and tender Nico Dawes stopped 22 shots in his third consecutive start. The Devils are 9-10-2 at home and 13-7-1 away from the Prudential Center. Now you're going to have to make those numbers a bit better if they want to get back to the playoffs. Tonight, the Rangers return to action in uh, Las Vegas, getting set to visit the Golden Knights for a 10 p.m. puck drop. Back to the NBA quickly here. Very sad news to report out of Golden State that Warriors assistant coach Dejan Milojevic, a mentor of two-time NBA MVP Nikola Jokic and a former star player in his native Serbia, died uh, yesterday in Utah. After suffering a heart attack, the team announced Milojevic, part of the staff that helped the Warriors win the 2022 NBA championship, was 46. He died in Salt Lake City, where he was hospitalized Tuesday night after a medical emergency during a private team dinner. The Warriors had been scheduled to play the Utah Jazz on Wednesday night, or last night, if you will, a game that the NBA has postponed. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 W. WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Welcome, Sid Rosenberg. Well, well to the thank Miller you for this. Report. It's a big deal for me being here, so thank you very much. I am honored to be your first guest of 2024, and I did host the Giants pregame show at legendary WFAN for many, many years, but that job, like many others, ended up with me getting fired. <laughs> I've been fired more than Imus and Stern combined, but I'm still here. Well, now you're on the number one radio show in the world. John told me that you're in 173 countries. Is this true? It is true. In fact, um, on New Year's Eve, John and Margot came in, and they wanted to wish our big audience a happy new year. 
and 173 countries and upwards of 20 million people, Suzanne, heard John and, I swear to God, John and Margo say Happy New Year. So that's not, that credit doesn't go to me. That credit goes to John, Margo, Chad, Emily, the group that is building this place. Where I would get some credit is amassing a nice size audience, but none of that happens without the best leadership. Like a sports team. You don't get to a Super Bowl without a great owner, a great coach. You can have a lot of talent, but you need all that to bring it together. So I think as a team, we're showing pretty tough team. Terrific podcast here. I'm not sure if it's once a week or twice a week. She'll give us all those um, all those details. Tim McCarthy, boy, he's good, huh? Our old friend Tim McCarthy. I love Tim. I mean, he loves this show, but he loves the music. And he comes back at 6.53 a.m. with the L.A.'s. Laws. <laughs> yeah, see, you know better than me. <laughs> this guy, I mean, he ran WABC. He ran ESPN. He was never a musical director, Timmy. Not, he, he must have been because he's he knows very, everything. He's I know. It's amazing. Yeah. So very Suzanne smart. does uh, this podcast. I don't know how many times a week she'll tell us that, but she's had a uh, pretty good run of big name guests, a couple of scumbags, mind you, Bill de Blasio, that lowlife, who I wouldn't even uh, acknowledge him. At Joe Esposito's funeral at St. Patrick's the other day. We didn't even acknowledge him. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, another lowlife. But uh, she had me, too. And uh, she's on a pretty good run. Why are you laughing? What? What did I say? What? They're low lives. so funny. Well, you are really... so... You don't even try and be funny. You don't know you're funny. You're just naturally funny. I think unless funny, you're... Funny, like how? Unless... I think unless you're smart, you can't be funny. Which makes... You know, you're, you're pretty intelligent. Otherwise, well, you wouldn't laugh at your thank jokes. You. Thank you. I, I just... You know, I just tell it the way it is, and and I'm not saying anything that most New Yorkers don't agree with. Now, look, you said most New Yorkers are morons last week. They are morons. <laughs> I mean, how else could you explain voting in Bill De Blasio or Alvin Bragg or any one of these people? They're morons. They really are. Uh, and the smart ones don't vote, don't get involved. They bitch and complain, but they don't do anything about it. Yeah, just, they, yeah. You get the stupid people, the old Jews. I can say that because I'm Jewish. They're stupid. And um, some other people. And I end up with all these, uh, you know, Essel heads in, in, uh, in office. But I, um, but I will say this. I think it's good you bring them on because we do need to hear from them. People get irate with me when I bring on Eric uh, Adams, the mayor. He was on 30 Minutes a couple of days ago. And why, Sid? Why, Sid? First of all, when I allow the, pro the audience to program my, my show, then I'll retire at that point. Trust me. Some of them are morons. I bring them on because he's the mayor. Like him, hate him, he's the mayor of your city. He makes decisions, whether you like it or not, that you have to deal with every day. So when you bring these people on, Suzanne, I think you're doing the right thing. I had Mayor Adams on. The day after his investigation, he was here. And we had to lock Curtis up. That was the day Curtis oh, wanted right, to that's talk. Right. And yes. Curtis, Curtis wasn't allowed to come in the room. So what is your official title here? Uh, I think I'm going to take this chair. 
<laughs> There'd be a line of about a thousand people. Don't get me wrong. You're right there by the very top because I think you do a terrific job. But you're really a real estate person by trade. Yes. You, have, you have a position with Red Apple Real yeah. Estate? So what we do is we represent Red Apple on their real estate in Brooklyn, mostly right now in Coney Island. We also did the Barclays. Um, but in Coney Island, and we're almost done. We're, we're at 9% and the, the apartments really have rented fantastic. People want to live on the beach, Sid. Oh, I know. I live on the beach, too. I buy house is exactly two blocks from the beach in, in Queens and Bell Harbor, and I love the beach. And I complained this morning about the frigid temperatures, the cold, these morons again who love the four seasons. There is nothing good, nothing enjoyable about this weather the last couple of days. And if you think it's rough here on the beach, it really is, it's even rougher. It has been a, a secret, and pe- it, I think people know about it now. But to be able to be, and I'm not just selling, I always sell, but I'm not really selling. The truth is, you could live on the beach and you could be less than an hour from Manhattan. It, it's fantastic. And that's what Coney Island does really afford. You don't got to sell me. Yeah. I stayed in apartment 22A about five times. And uh, the terrace overlooking the ocean, the amenities are beautiful. It's a brand new building. Yeah. It's uh, right down the block from Nathan's, right down the block from the Brooklyn Cyclones, play their baseball games. Uh, Gargiulo's is, is right down the block, so I do love the place. So let's keep Suzanne here. We'll talk more to Suzanne Miller about her podcast and real estate in general in New York. And then a great guest list after Suzanne the rest of the way, which includes Curtis Sliwa, WFAN legend Joe Beningo. Colonel Jack Jacobs, Arthur Idala, Michael Goodwin, and Bill O'Reilly, all stopping by today. Thursday with Sid. We'll be right back. with our friend Suzanne Miller, who's got a very popular podcast here. Very, very popular. We're talking about uh, Coney Island uh, Ocean Drive, which is a magazine, you know, down in Miami. I've been in it before. Uh, Those are the names. That is the name of the two buildings that we own, you guys own, in uh, Coney Island. I've stayed there. It's gorgeous. It is on the beach. And you said they're they're basically, they're rentals. You can't buy those, right? They're rentals, but as I said earlier, it really is like a big secret because... Most of the apartments have floor-to-ceiling windows facing the ocean in New York. Where do you get that? I mean, it's nowhere. It's, it's fantastic. It is really fantastic. Is. What were you saying about the Barclays Center? What's over there now? I didn't know anything about this. Oh no, this was during the pandemic. Empire State Properties also helped Red Apple oh. rent the apartments by the Barclays Center. He's got beautiful apartments. One is called the Margo, and they've really nice apartments. Well, also, where do you Barclays. get that name from? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was trying to figure that out. So you're not involved in this beautiful new building in St. Petersburg? Not yet. Not but, yet. But we always threaten Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to get involved. So tell me this. You know, I've got a dear friend, Corey Zelnick, who's on this show, and I speak to uh, he's a dear, dear friend all the time. He, um, But he's in commercial real estate. He doesn't do the uh, the stuff you're doing. And he always tells me that it's better than it looks. Because I walk up and down Broadway, especially the West Side, and every other store says for rent. So, so I'm under the impression real estate in New York is not doing well, and he tells me you're wrong. So you tell me, 
What well, is going on with real estate? Okay, so if you want to talk about the commercial market, if you just listen to 60 Minutes on Sunday, they talked about it was 50% vacancy. So the high-end buildings on the commercial, the new buildings, which all the Hudson Yards and the bells and whistles, they're doing well. But the majority of buildings are older, and they're not. And those buildings are not doing well. And I read yesterday that Eric Adams is trying to convert 21,000 apartments that are offices into these apartments. Yeah. So that should solve that, but it'll take a while. But in terms of uh, personal leasing, we're okay there? We're doing okay? The one in Coney Island, yes. No, not just Coney Island. Oh. I mean, basically, oh, rentals, rentals, in and around the city. Okay, in and around the city right now. What nobody's really talking about, Sid, is that all these concessions the landlords are giving. So the rents are down. People are leaving. You're right. What you said is right. I mean, people don't feel safe in New York, so they are leaving. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat this. People are leaving. They're nervous. They ha- we have to get crime under control. And landlords are giving a lot of concessions. They may not be renting for less on the on the face value, but they give me three months. So they get, they're luring people to come there with concessions on the rental side. And even with that, the market's down about 5%. Down about 5%. Now, do you have any apartments in New York City? Or, oh, yeah, or? we have 500 apartments. That 500? We, we have 500 apartments that oh, we manage. Everywhere from Fidei to the Upper East Side? Everywhere. Everywhere. Nice. So tell me, the podcast that you do, yeah. um, it looks to me, because when you get up to the, to the fifth floor here in the building, there's these televisions. And anytime you're, you're doing a podcast out there, they promote you. Very it's nice. the second floor. Second floor. The happy floor. This, right. Sid, this is the happy floor. You're right. Trust me. I've been to the fifth floor too many times. <laughs> no, I like it up there, too. I love all those people. But um, tell me about uh, how many times a week you do this podcast. We do it once a week, and we it comes out. Wednesday we film, and Monday it comes out. And I'm proud to say we're almost at 800,000 listeners. So this is – I've only been doing this like eight months, but I think that people – as you said, I really learned a lot from you that I you. try and be relatable. It's my it's my horrible Brooklyn accent that yeah. comes out because I'm a New Yorker. People love and that. it comes out. Yeah, and I, love and it. that's what it is. And I try and tell even when I say something that people don't like, at least I try and get them to create some chemistry yeah. here and say the truth. You know, I remember when I first started doing this and it's very public. I've had issues with drugs and alcohol. I'm in recovery my whole life, you know. And my partner at the time, a guy named Scott Kaplan said to me, I was about a week into the job, I was horrible, brand new, but he said, about a week in, he said, <laughs> you like this, don't you? And I said, yeah, I, I do. He said, let me tell you this, my friend. This will be the hardest drug to put down. If you think staying off of cocaine or alcohol was difficult, get ready when they take the microphone away. Now, I've been fired a 100 times, suspended 90 times throughout my 25-year career, and he's right. So I'm looking at you eight months in, and you're very good at this, very good. You're smart. You are relatable. You know a lot about a lot of different topics. And I'm saying you're a junkie. You are already a junkie. I have to tell you, Sid, (laughs) my kids laugh because I've been doing real estate now for 38 years, and I'm quite good at it, and we've done fantastic. But when I come to WABC and I talk to these people and I sit down and I hear it, it is addicting. It is – I understand what you mean. It's so much fun to hear – to just get people to talk to you and listen, and then you, other people are listening. They right. want to hear me. It's surreal, right? It's surreal. Yeah, I still can't believe when I come to work in the morning that people wake up and they have to hear my voice. But you have that great voice. You well, do have that great that. voice. I don't know. And Thank fantastic you guests. Thank you. Uh, how easy is it to work with uh, John Katzmatidis? Talk about relatable. I mean, he's he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. I do consider him family. I feel so lucky and honored that he has taken me on and, and believed in me to do this. And 
He, but you can't push him around. Like he sees, I've seen him, like somebody comes late to a meeting. He's like, next, bye. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen that side of John too. He's like, the meeting goes on. I don't give a shit who it is. Well, listen, you don't uh, make billions and billions of dollars and, and have the success he's had in so many different industries, right? Uh, Whether it's energy, you know, the oil, whether we're talking about radio or supermarkets. That man basically has had success in everything he's touched. And you got to be a tough son of a bitch to do and that. And I want to see his Rolodex because I, the people that are on, I, I'm addicted to the 5 o'clock show. That's why I'm it's getting my It's a great news. show. It's a yeah. great show. Yeah. And he's the guest that he gets. Yeah. Who's not going to want to come on? Cats and Oh, no, they all, they all want to come on. I mean, again, some of those guests that he puts on, I would never put on. <laughs> <laughs> like who? I do want to put Bill Clinton on, though. I did, I did like Bill. I'm not going to lie. I like Bill Clinton. He um it went um it went bad to say the least. He's on that list. But um but he's one of the guys that uh, that is friendly with the Cats Matitis that I would put on this program. But in terms of you, I I want to thank you for putting me on your podcast. I enjoyed it immensely. People loved it. Sid we're Did up they? to well, almost to ten thousand listeners. This has only been up forty eight hours. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So where people, can people find that? They could find it on Spotify, or they could find it on WABC, wherever they get their podcast. And it's just Suzanne Miller Podcast. It's called the WABC, The Miller Report. The Miller Report. The okay. Miller Report. Didn't Dennis Miller have that one? Did you steal that from Dennis Miller? I, th- probably, I steal everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's your, I know you had Kathy Wild on last. Who's uh, coming up next? What do you got? Next week, we're, we're, well, it's a big, it's a big surprise. It's a big, big surprise, big which means surprise, you have big, no idea. <laughs> no, I have a very big idea, but I can't oh, say know. yet because they have to, it may be Zoom, so we're not quite sure, but it's a very big name. Yeah. And I'll be doing, we do coming soon. Coming soon. We do coming Is soon. Is it Jill Zarin? Jill Zarin was on, well, she was on about two months ago. She was on, yes. okay. Some other housewife from, uh, uh, this is a politician. Politician. We pretty much we've had Cuomo, we've had Adams, we had Pataki, De Blasio. We, we had De Blasio. So yeah. this is it's in that order, Sid. Very good, very good. Well, congratulations. Okay. I mean it. You're really terrific, terrific, you. and you're a lovely lady too. So continued success, and we'll do this again very soon. Thank okay. you so much. And getting up at six o'clock. How do you do this every day, Sid? I don't know. What time do you start? I get up at three fifteen in the morning. I get here before five every morning. I start at six. And he still looks good. <laughs> yeah, God, I love you. <laughs> that is, uh, thank you very much. All you right. too, thank Suzanne you. Miller, the Miller Report. Check her out on Spotify, iTunes, WABC, wherever you get your podcast. Go find the Miller Report with my friend Suzanne Miller. That wraps up hour number one. Big hour number two about to come your way. Curtis Sliwa and WFAN legend Joe Beningo on a big NFL playoff weekend. Hour number two coming back at you. Good day, sunshine. We take a walk. The sun is shining down. Burns my feet as they touch the ground. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's time saw you mean, mean pride. Classic Rush, Tom Sawyer. I've already pissed Lewis off because I made an Imus reference. Imus used to start his show every morning 
with this song, and Lewis does not want this rock and roll classic associated with the guy that he worked with and for for 30 years that he just detested, Don Imus. Well, look, you're not embellishing it at all. No, I'm not. I mean, you got crazy as soon as I said, oh, I misused this song. Don't, 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 don't. Not, that's not a, not what I did. You don't want to hear that. I just said, that's not exactly what you said. I mean, you got crazy. No. Calm down. You made a lot of money when working with the I-Man. What else would you have done? You'd be running like some Fordham radio station. Now you sound like the people like, oh, you owe him your life. Well, you do owe him your life. Not me. I had success in Miami without him. No, I do not because he negotiated with me and he wouldn't do the show without me. So. So he so it's the other way around right. in this well, case. Well, I turned him down and I said, "Yeah, go screw screw off." Yeah. How about that? And I I was going to stay at the station. Yes, that's true. Yeah. You no, wanna, that is true. You want to know how long it took him to call I, me back? I, I Do just you don't care. Tell you? You, you how long, fine? How long? Under two minutes, and the phone rang. Okay. Okay. Well, it took uh, okay, him. Okay, let's try to figure this out. <laughs> it took him thirteen hours for Kara Dugan to call me to bring me back when he fired me after Venus and Serena. Like, Thirteen hours. So you, so you know what? It's I like know exactly what you trust me, bro. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you wouldn't be anywhere without you. Oh, really? <laughs> Shut up. Okay, I'm uh, so I, stupid. I, I, I know. Working. Okay. <laughs> stupid. Thank you. Bad enough that he got all the money and all the credit. We did all the goddamn work. He, I saw a check come right past Rob's nose. Oh, he must from have, that. He didn't kill that, himself from that RFD stupid channel. They Rob, paid him like five million dollars. The check came right past Rob. Yeah. We were in the office. Yeah. Oh, look at this, and he got all of it. Yeah. From that stupid, idiot, hee-haw hillbilly who ran that station. Well, they he went was, away, and then he, Fox Business came in. He was about the stupidest person that I've person? ever seen run yeah. a channel. Yeah. He well. he had ripped jeans. There was more holes than jeans. <laughs> yeah. He was... Uh, well, Mel Tillis could have run the station better. He was uh-huh. such a buffoon. That I heard I heard all that about him, yes. Oh, so God. I got this uh, story in front of me as I get ready to talk to the legend, the icon, the great Curtis Sliwa. And it reads like this. It was in Politico yesterday. Cuomo's campaign gets $565,000 from taxpayers. That's us. And more is on the way. According to this story, Cuomo now has about $8 million ready to be used for his mayoral campaign. So for all the hate that Curtis Sliwa has directed towards my friend Eric Adams as he anticipates running for a second time against Eric. I got news for Curtis. Kind of like Trump running against Biden. It may be Trump, Michelle Obama. Well, it may be Curtis Andrew Cuomo because every poll I've seen has Cuomo killing Adams. And these articles keep telling me that Cuomo is raising money to run for mayor. So which one is it, Curtis? I would... I would love that. You know, that'd be like two scorpions in a brandy well, glass. Well, what you would love for a second. What do you think is going to Well, first happen? off, you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. <laughs> I need to correct you. His money cannot be used for a special mayoral run. He could use it for any state office. He can give it to other politicians who are running for office. It cannot be used to run for the mayor of the city of New York. But Got he it. could raise a lot of money. Uh, he'll he'll shake down the real estate industry because they're always willing to give people uh, who they've had relationships with who have helped screw the city. So he'll get a lot of money. That's number one. 
But I want to really delve into my new responsibilities here at WABC. You have new responsibilities? Yes, I am the consigliere. Uh, to John Katsimatidis and to um, Chad Lopez. I've noticed that. I'm not going to get into any uh, details because it's it's inside baseball. It's office work. But there was a meeting with an individual yesterday, an on-air talent, and the meeting was John, Chad, and you. Yes. And I'm like, exactly like Robert Duvall and The Godfather. Well, as you know, I'm the senior member. I even... Uh outrank you in terms of years. Maybe not in terms of ability, but years. I've no, been doing it 35 years. You've been yeah. doing it 25. You're great. And and by the way, I am second. This is hard to believe. I am second in tenure here now. I'll be celebrating in nine days, eight years at WABC. Well, when I, I say second, you've got me beat. I got a plan for that. Okay. So uh, as consigliere, I'm, I'm sort of the Brian Cashman here. I'm sitting in. I was giving a beat down to Frank Morano. You know, because well, I, I didn't want to say his name. I had there, to. Right? Uh, I re-enrolled him in the Curtis Lee Boot Camp at Talk Radio, <laughs> yeah. which I host here. Dominic Carter, Anthony Weiner, Andrew Giuliani, my own wife Nancy, who's doing a great job, and Frank, who's fallen from grace. We got a. I had to pimp slap him and get him back on. And this is my role here. But because it is your upcoming eighth anniversary, I've already spoke to the powers to be that I want Studio Seventy Seven set up with a this-is-your-life scenario where I'm Ralph Edwards. Oh, my God. Eight years here at WABC. Nobody thought that Sid would last eight days, Nobody. eight weeks, eight months. Nobody. And I am going to invite back including Sid. <laughs> the people who were hell-bent on making sure you didn't come here to WABC. The former program director, Craig Schwab, he'll be up there on the stage. The guy who would have been doing mid-mornings. It would not have been you and Bernie. Mike Lupica, that Imus wanted to do it from his cave somewhere in New Canaan, Connecticut. And, of course, the traitor, the Judas Gnome Layton, who was already sitting down with Mike Lupica and Craig Schwab yeah, and but, planning your demise. But in all fairness to Noam Layton, I got him back. I got the son of a bitch fired for Juliet Hunt. It does, but hey, this is, we're going back eight years. Eight years, okay. So we're going to do uh, this also, in Studio 77. Are we really going to do this? This is your life, and I am Ralph Edwards. Cousine style. We are going to go back. And in fact, now, I, I must tell you, I must confide in you that while you're away in Israel, I am going to be testing the talk radio market. You're the only guy that I ever know, along with whose partner was initially traded, actually traded talk radio team. What was that, Scott Kaplan and yourself? Yes, we were traded from CBS Sportsline, an Internet sports-based company in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, to WNEWFM 102.7 to do the morning show. That's the only time, you're right, there's been a trade involving talent in New York radio. We've heard managers in baseball for players. We've heard other things, ancillary things. And I'm going to test the market while you're away. I have the permission of John Katsimatidis and, yes, uh, Chad Lopez, to see if we could actually get a radio station, a radio station, as a trade for you. What? That's right. They want to trade me now? Well, this is my idea. It's not their <laughs> idea. I want to test your market worth. Hey, look, I got a new position here. I'm a consigliere. Right. Right. Talk radio and other markets are hurting. Here, we're number one in, right. 
in the day, throughout the nation, your show in the morning is number one. And at night, we're number one in the world, more powerful than the BBC One, Two, Three, Four together. 173 countries. The only place we can't reach is Antarctica. And John Katsimatidis is working on that. And everybody knows that in the business. I want to see what, what your value is. I'm going to I'm gonna see if I can negotiate a trade for a whole station. You, Sid Rosenberg, for a whole talk radio <laughs> station. And I think that we'll have buyers. So then where do I go? Don't worry about it. Don't we'll figure that it. out afterwards. <laughs> Doesn't mean, remember, this is like when Poppy, remember Poppy was coming from the Minnesota Twins, and Cashman told Steinbrenner Sr., no, he'll never work out in Yankee Stadium. Steinbrenner, to the day he died, said, we could have had Poppy in first base with that short right field deck. I have to test out the market value, please. Well, what are you looking to get? So, uh, ideally, in return for me, yes, you're looking for an entire station. An entire station. I'm going to where I worked for a while, <laughs> KABC in Los Angeles, right? Because let's face it, you're on your way to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, God, I'm not. You're a hit, are you kidding? You're the, the hit man most desired to be in movies. And now that SAG-AFTRA has settled yeah. and everybody's getting back to work, yeah. whether it's in the big screen or the screen, you're in demand. Well, I'm going to break your bubble just a little bit. I was hired, as you know, by my friend Danny A., who made that great movie Inside Man, which was originally Gemini Lounge, to do his next movie about the two Brooklyn mob cops. Yeah, Epolito and Caracappa. Correct. But, but, because I did not want to miss any more time on this radio station, after initially saying yes, you notice I was supposed to be in Los Angeles last Monday. I turned it down. So the idea that now I'm going full throttle Hollywood has been disproven just this week with me turning down me. a part Excuse in a me. major movie. Now that I'm part of the the think tank here at WABC, the consigliere, let me talk to John Katsimatidis <laughs> and to Chad Lopez about this, and Danny A., who I've developed a great relationship with. Is that right? Well, I've known all the guys at the original Gemini That's Lounge. That's true, yeah. They're killers. <laughs> and look, they're letting out Anthony Centaur. You killed like over 40 people. They're letting them out in May. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I may have to go into the witness protection program. <laughs> this guy is insane. In the brain. But anyway, I'll deal with that. But first off, let me give instructions to your butt boy over in Israel, Justin Ellick, because I've been there three times. Justin, first time over, let's make sure that you don't get exotic in your food. Uh, order the, bro- the grilled flounder. Make sure there's plenty of coleslaw and rolls on the table. Just, uh, just to get you accustomed. The grilled flounder. I can get that at any diner in Trump Village. Well, you used to serve that down in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I the, want you to remember the, your the, roots. About when you were so down and didn't know where the hell your next paycheck would come from. That, that's true. You were serving grilled flounder. I was. And, and the autococcus was screaming, where's the coleslaw? Where's the rolls? And I was making those rolls, those biscuits by hand, mind you, and collecting a check of about $80 at the end of the week. The place, L&N Seafood in the very ritzy Boca Town Center Mall. Doesn't matter. It's like you couldn't get any lower than that at that point in your life. And yet... You struggled, and you came back like the phoenix who rose from the ashes. Look at you. God. Yesterday, I had a haunting phone call. You had a haunting phone call? First of all, I want to thank you for allowing me to eulogize Joe Esposito, the passing 
uh, maybe one of the greatest cops to ever serve in New York, and definitely the greatest head of the Office of Emergency Management. That's no fair doubt. to say. And I would also say the greatest chief of department. Yes. Fair to say, yes. And I just pimp-slap Bill de Blasio all over the place. A guy who fired Joe Esposito as the head of the OEM because of a snowfall. Joe is away on vacation. And his Kathy Garcia, you know, oh, his golden girl who he made sanitation commissioner, who didn't know anything about tertiary streets, side streets, nothing about sanitation, seven inches. And then all of a sudden he blamed Joe Esposito. Yes, he did. And then he assigned one of his deputy mayors to have a sit down with him, a young lady. And she said, you got two choices, Joe. You either resign or you're fired. And Joe looked at her and said, you weren't even birthed when I was busting my shoes as a cop. You tell that guy, you tell de Blasio, he wants to fire me, he could do it face-to-face. And de Blasio was afraid of him, and he announced, well, we're going on a nationwide search for a replacement, but Joe can stay. What a double disgracian shanda. And I railed on that, and then yesterday I was working really late, and I recognized that I had had a call. They came in because I, I I got two phones. I'm like a drug dealer. Yes, right? uh, I'm waiting you got, for you. Got the Curtis Lewa phone and some other six four six number. That right, right. Up. And I'm waiting. Uh, you know, like uh, Eric Adams to have my <laughs> phones taken by the FBI. Right now, I have to use burner phones. This message came in, Sid, from the ether, from the atmosphere out there. I never talked to this man on the phone in my life. Curtis is Joe Esposito, the old uh, chief of the bomber. I just want to tell the story about you. Your guys backed me up, me and my partner. We were an anti-crime in the E3 in Bushwick. And my, uh, my undercover car was, 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 uh, bricked, uh, off the roof. And I was on the roof to so find these guys. And your guys came and backed me up. I'd love to tell you the story. I, I always felt good about that, uh, about your, about your guys. So whatever you need, let me know. Thank you. He never called me. I never had a conversation by phone. In the streets, yes. And, you know, our relationship towards the end was a bit contentious. He's a big Adam supporter. That message, now, that message may have been somewhere lost in the cloud, whatever. Hmm. But when I saw the ping, I didn't know what it was. I played it. I said, it's haunting. Because I had mentioned the 83rd Precinct, remember, when I was re- retail, uh, uh, sort of recalling when I first met him right by Knickerbocker Park that was in Bushwick. And that message came through. And I think because I honored his legacy and defended his honor against that, that pimp who showed up, with what, the black shoe polish in his head to sit in the front row to eulogize the man that he humiliated, he degraded, he defamed, he fired to protect his golden girl, Kathy Garcia? I don't, you know, I'm not a spiritual guy, as you know. I'm not. In fact, I didn't even go. I was going to go to the wake of the Church of Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Williamsburg, but I'm so turned off by the Catholic Church and welcoming in all these illegal aliens. I don't even want to be seen in a Catholic Church. And you know me, I'm an A.M.P. Catholic. Ashes on Wednesday, palms on Sunday. You don't see me for a month of Sundays. I was stunned. Ten minutes, I just stared at the phone, played it a few times, and I said, is this fate? Is this just something that got lost in the cloud? Or was it meant to be? I think it was meant to be. Me too. Wow. Uh, you had told me before, uh, we'll wrap this up, Lou, that um, 
you received a message that was haunting. I had no idea. That is pretty haunting. And I do believe it, it is. Um, I never talked Joe to Joe Esposito on the phone. I believe you. Yeah. But we need to honor this man. We need to honor what he did for all of us. Like I said, this is coming from somebody, myself. We're not, at the end, have the best relationship. We had words about his support for Eric Adams. But he remembered how we came to his back, him and his partners, when they were throwing stuff at him from the roofs. Back then, they used to do that. Oh, we miss you, Joe. And that, if I ever see that, it would be A guy who stole one and a half billion dollars. For that thrive, that fake phony fraudulent program with his steep wife Charlene. My God. And then to be sitting there, the front row, right? Like, hey, Joe was my friend. Let me give you some breaking news, though, Sid. You know I always break news. Last night, Peter King, Ricky Palladino were hosting uh, congressional candidate Mazi in Whitestone. The Hamas crazies broke in and disrupted their meeting. The Hamas crazies came right into Whitestone, which you never do, bum-rushed the meeting. They have got to be stopped. They're breaking up political meetings now. They're looking for a fight. And I'm telling you, you come looking for a fight, you're going to get a fight. You don't come into the House. You don't come into the American Legion Hall where they were hosting this event for Marzi. Vicky Palladino and Congressman Peter King and disrupt it because now you know what this means. You went at the hospitals, Mount Sinai, you protested that you accused these hospitals of committing genocide who are saving lives, and now you're trying to disrupt our democracy. You should all drop dead out there, and we need to fight these Hamas hootie thugs. Colonel Jack Jacobs, Michael Goodwin, author Idala, Bill O'Reilly, all stopping by. Do um, want to send a shout-out to my friend Charlie Marino, but first, this is a Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I believe you've got a birthday or a heavenly birthday today, Lou Rapino. What do we got? Well, he's not alive anymore, so... Is it David? Yeah. Is it his birthday or heavenly birthday? He's, uh, it's his birthday. How old would David Crosby have been? Well, he died at... Died at 81 last year, so you've been 82. 82. David Crosby, rest in peace. 
My buddy Charlie, his uncle, his mother's brother, used to own the Bow Wow Restaurant on Cross Bay Boulevard in Howard Beach. He passed away, and he wants all those folks. He was a very popular guy in Queens, very popular. The funeral is at Romanelli's, Sunday from 3 to 8. Sunday from 3 to 8, the church is at St. Helens on Monday, where his sister's mass was, and that's at 945. Very popular figure in Howard Beach, where you are also very popular, Lewis. They love you at Lenny's. I know. Big at Lenny's. I got a couple of tables. You went to Lenny's New Year's Eve, in fact. It was great. It was, right? Yeah, it yeah, was Joe, really good. Joe does a great job Love there. Joe. Yeah, great guy. Uh, they have the um, their 50th anniversary. They have that already? Yeah. They already uh, had it? It's, it's in the midst right now, I believe, happening. It's, yeah, but they have one big, like, Joe Causey is hosting it or something. I don't know. I don't they know, invited but me, but I'm yeah. very busy. There you are. But I love Joe, and I love Lenny's, and I love, all of Howard Beach. Cross Bay Diner is great. Oh, and, uh, very good. The sushi place there is terrific. Yeah, there in uh, Israel, I hear, has great sushi. <laughs> yeah, I heard the same thing. All right, well, uh, we'll take a short break. We'll get to Joe Nolan, get some traffic when we get back. The legend himself, WFAN, will talk Trump in Iowa and a big NFL weekend. Four big games as we narrow the road to Super Bowl 58 coming up February the 11th in Las Vegas. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. What a disgrace. I lost that love before. Got mad and close. Very happy, Lewis. Big 8 o'clock hour about to come your way. Really looking forward to talking to both Colonel Jack Jacobs. Iran has gone nuts. You know, of course, they've attacked 26 different U.S. spots. And now we've gone after the Houthis, but they also attacked in the last week now Iraq, Syria, and Pakistan. Now, Pakistan fired back this morning. The greater Middle East is on fire. We'll talk to Colonel Jack Jacobs coming up at 8.15. Bill O'Reilly, his weekly spot, no better ratings, anytime, any place. That's coming up at 8.45. And then we've got Michael Goodwin, New York Post, and the big-time defense attorney, Audie Idala in the 9 o'clock hour. But here he is, the legend, the legendary WFAN voice, my former partner, the great Joseph Beningo. Jojo, good morning, buddy. How are you? What's up, Sydney Arthur? Boy, you got all these big people coming on, and then you got me. I mean, what the hell's going on here, Sid? Come on. Please, uh, you are very humble. I always say this. I'll say it again. Two best sports guy I've ever heard, Chris Russo and Joe Beningo. Nobody with more passion than you. So before we get to um, you watching Newsmax, which is hard to believe, by the way. Um, Why is it hard to believe? Come on. I, uh, because I'm just, again, I'm just watching AOC how, saying how the Republicans are weaponizing the impeachment process. I yeah. mean, the uh, yeah. 
Yeah, right. It's, it's the other way around, you moron. Weaponizing it, yeah. Sid. Come yeah. on. No, it's the other way around. I know. But again, I've known you for so long. We worked together for a long time, and you know, you were an SNY guy, ESPN guy. I love this. I love the evolution, the transformation. That's why I'm not sure I could ever go back and do just a straight sports talk show. But at any rate, let's start with the sports. Dallas was embarrassed again. I know Mike McCarthy won 42 games in three years. I know he won two NFC East championships. You ready for this? Who cares? Football, I know you're a Jet fan, but I'm sorry to tell you, football is about winning Super Bowls. When you got teams like that and you've won one playoff game in three years, I believe this was the time to fire Mike McCarthy. Yet, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said yesterday, we're bringing him back. What do you think? I was shocked. I mean, especially with Belichick out there, you know, I, I could, I mean, to me, the perfect place for Belichick is Dallas. I mean, you know, he wants to break Shula's record. He, he goes to the Cowboys. He'd do it in less than two years over there. That's right. a ready-made team. Uh, I think Jerry's 82 years old. You would think Jerry wants to win now. I mean, the clock is ticking. Uh, I was very surprised that McCarthy's coming back. Very surprised. So there are seven teams out there that need a coach right now. The Titans, the Seahawks, Washington, Carolina, Vegas, the Chargers, and the Falcons. And I know Belichick and Jim Harbaugh were both right. in Atlanta just a couple of days ago. Get any sense as to where you think? Because I keep hearing Chargers for Belichick. you have any, 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 I don't know, sense to where he may end up? Well, Harbaugh's already—I guess Harbaugh's already interviewed with the Chargers now and the Falcons. Uh, you know, look—I mean, I guess the Falcons make some sense. Uh, you know, they got some players there. They're in a weak division. You know, the AFC South's not exactly the greatest division. They don't have a quarterback, though. They have the seventh pick in the draft. You know, maybe one of these quarterbacks will drop to them at seven. Uh, you know, that's the one thing about Bill going to Atlanta. You know what I mean? I—I I mean, I kind of thought maybe Washington, but who? Hey, look. Uh, maybe the maybe the Eagle job opens up. I mean, there's a chance Sirianni might get fired. To me, that would be a better spot for Bill than either Atlanta or Washington or even even the Chargers. Well, you would think so. They went to the Super Bowl last year, started off right. ten and one this year. But what I saw from Jalen Hurts and the Eagles the last no, eight weeks, no, they, no, that was that was a free fall that the Eagles did. Uh, the second half of the year this year, no doubt about it. It's hard to watch that. All right, so you, uh, and I did too, I'm right with you, Joe. I'm not calling you out because I thought the same. I really thought Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns I was had wrong. Yeah, I mean, so was I. Uh, the Texans, they didn't beat them. They embarrassed them. C.J. Stroud was uh, nothing short of miraculous. That guy is so good. And all these young quarterbacks now are uh, stepping up. Jordan Love, amazing for Green yeah. Bay and Dallas last week. So now that the Browns are gone, you got two games inside the AFC, Houston at Baltimore on Saturday. Then you get the big one late Sunday afternoon, the first road game for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in Buffalo taking on Allen and the Bills, Who's to, which two teams survive in playing the AFC championship? You know what? I tell you what, I, I think Baltimore is going to beat Houston, but I'll tell you right now, that Houston team, like you said, man, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, uh, Miko Collins, I mean, that is a dangerous football team. But I think Baltimore will win that game. I think the, as much as I hate them, okay, and I'll be rooting for the Chiefs, I think the Bills are going to the Super Bowl. I think the Bills got off the mat. They were 6-6. Six and six. Uh, they look like they were really in trouble. They haven't lost since. They beat a lot of big teams on the way. Buffalo's a different team now. They can run the football with James Cook, which they never really could do before. I know they're banged up. They got a lot of injuries on defense. I understand that. I just got a feeling. Now, Kansas City still 
extremely dangerous. They got an outstanding. They've kind of evolved the Chiefs into this team that plays defense, really good defensive team, run the ball. They still have the great Patrick Mahomes. I just don't see Buffalo losing this game at home to Kansas City. Kansas City's eliminated them, you know, a couple times in classic games and uh, before in the playoffs. I like the Bills, and I think the Bills are going to the Super Bowl. I hate to say it, but I think they are. Well, why? I mean, I can see them beating Kansas City at home, but, I mean, Lamar Jackson and Baltimore. And, look, that was no fluke. You look at the Ravens the last couple of years. Flowers on one side, Odell Beckham Jr. on the other side. They added legitimate weapons. They got a really good underrated defense. Why do you think Buffalo, if they get by Kansas City, goes to a 13-win Baltimore team and wins that game on the road? Well, I just think that it's their time, bro. I, I, I get the sense. Sometimes you get a sense with a team, especially the way they've gotten off the mat. And the one thing i got to say about Lamar, as great as Lamar is, there's no disputing it, he's got to win in the playoffs. I mean, he hasn't won in the playoffs. So i got to see that happen. And, um, you know, right now, look, it's hard to say. Look, it's very tough. You're, you're, you know, you're splitting hairs. Who's better, Lamar or Josh Allen? I mean, it's extremely close. I just got a feeling about the Bills. I really do. Uh, give me the uh, the NFC side now. You got Jordan Love off that amazing effort in Dallas going into San Francisco, yep. who many people think is still the best team overall in football. And then, my God, what an effort by Baker Mayfield in beating the Eagles on yep. Monday. But much different story going into Detroit. That's a very good team with Jared Goff at quarterback. Packers at Niners, Bucks at Lions. Who's playing Buffalo Excuse me, who's uh, yeah? Who's going to win the, playing the NFC Championship game? Well, I think the Niners, it was a wake-up call. The Niners saw what happened to Dallas. They won't let that happen to them. Now, I think Jordan Love is tremendous. amazing how the Packers go from, you know, one great quarterback to another, but that's a, you know, that's a testament to, to their organization. These guys sit for a couple of years before they play. You got to love what you see from Love. I just think that the Niners, like I said, they're, they're going to take care of business at home. I'd be very surprised. And I think the Lions win. I think I think we're looking at a Lion-Niner championship game. I think the Bucks look great against a, a real, like I said, an Eagle team that was that was done. And they were done. There's no doubt about it. Give Mayfield a lot of credit. I wish the Jets side Mayfield. I, I like him a lot. I think he's got a... You know, he's got a lot of gallons, uh, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yeah. but, I, but I think Detroit, San Francisco, and I think the Niners will win, but I wouldn't dismiss the Lions. No. I'll say I think the Lions have a real shot to beat the Niners if they play them. All right, listen, I want to keep you on hold for two seconds. I want to get uh, your thoughts. The football stuff is great. You're a legendary sports guy. But, again, you're watching Newsmax. You become one of the biggest Donald Trump supporters in the country. Trump's effort in Iowa, New Hampshire coming up next. We're going to get to that with you. The legend, the great Joe Beningo, goes from talking sports to Donald Trump. Keep it right here. touch my very soul. You always show me that. Loving you is where it's at. You made me so very happy. I'm so glad you came into my life. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Little BGs for you, just to review, the legend Joe Beningo likes the Bills and Niners in the Super Bowl. He thinks Buffalo beats Baltimore. Just one note, I was 
looking out the corner of my eye, CNN is on in the newsroom. They're expecting an additional, you ready for this, 9 to 18 inches of snow. Why any human being would live in Buffalo, I have no idea. But 9 to 18 additional inches before the Bills kick off at 3 p.m. on Sunday against Kansas City. But Beningo's back, and we all know Beningo as this crazy sports fan, this big-time Jet fan, but he has become great, not good, but great with the politics. He loves Donald Trump. So, Joe B., after Trump's performance in Iowa, how are you feeling about your friend Trump moving forward? Well, before we get to that, i got to correct you on a couple things. That's KC and the Sunshine Band. Oh, you're right, okay. yes. And number one, and number two, the, the Bill Chief game is at 630 on Sunday. Oh, that's so, 630. I just, I just want, you know, we, we want to get this. We yeah. want to be accurate, Sid. You know what I mean? Well, well, this is why I say you should replace Spike Eskin, who just went to follow in his father's footsteps at WIP and become the next program director for Olivero at the fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could do that. No, that no, no, thanks. You. I'm doing okay. Uh, uh, you're but, doing all right. Yeah. Look, I, look, getting to Don, I mean, look, it, it was historic what he did in Iowa. He won by 30 points over DeSantis. Haley winds up finishing third. And I love how the fake news media is trying to downplay his win in Iowa. The, the biggest margin ever by a Republican in the history of the Iowa caucuses, I believe, was 12 points by Bob Dole, Okay. So this guy goes out, and he wins by 30, and Nitch, right, or he gets over 50%. He yeah. wins by 30, yeah. and they're trying to, you know, downplay it. They, oh, well, he only got half the vote. I mean, come on. Half well, the vote. Half the vote. He, he won 98 out of 99 right. counties. Now, the right. guy that was uh, really the worst when it came to that was Barack Obama himself on MSNBC. He completely downplayed the whole thing because Obama's been calling the shots for Biden all the way. According to many smart people that I know, Obama told Biden in a meeting with just the two of them two weeks ago at the White House, Joe, you're done. A lot of folks are preparing now for the Michelle Obama, Gavin Newsom ticket. So Obama was the guy downplaying it, and he is still the guy, Joe Beningo, calling a ton of shots. Uh, A ton of shots. I think he's calling all the shots. And I and I gotta admit this. I am. I don't see any way Joe Biden is runs in November. I will be stunned if it's him. I, I you hit it. You hit it. Michelle Obama, Gavin Newsom. That might be the ticket. And I gotta tell you, that concerns me. Me too. Yeah. That keeps me up. That Michelle Obama. Yeah. Where, where are we going, Sid? Where, what country could we move to if Michelle Obama winds up being president? Oh my God. <laughs> well, you can't leave because. Last I checked, I believe the Jets have the number 10 pick in the draft. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, what's new? <laughs> that's, that's actually, let's be honest, Sid, that's actually low for them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Joe B., I love you. Every time you come on, you're better than the last time. Thank you very much for a great appearance. Enjoy the football this weekend. Hope we will do it again next week, pal. Thank you so much. You got it, Sid. All the love, Lou. All the love, bro. Take love care, you, guys. brothers. Don't uh, change. There he is, uh, the great Joe Beningo. He is terrific. Great guy, legendary sports talk, talk show host. And uh, we have a lot of fun with Joe here because he loves sports and politics, and he loves Trump just like we do. That wraps up hour number two. Been a big two hours, folks. Suzanne Miller, Curtis Sliwa, Joe Beningo. Big 8 o'clock hour about to come your way with Colonel Jack Jacobs and the man, Bill O'Reilly. Keep it right here Thursdays with Sid.
This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. It's another tequila sunrise. Staring slowly across the sky. Said goodbye. He was just a hired hand. Working on the dreams he planned to try. The days go by. song right here to kill a sunrise happy happy i should say happy heavenly birthday to the great glenn fry now most of the Eagles songs of course don henley did the vocals but uh on this one and others as well as a very good solo career glenn fry did the vocals and he died on this date back in 2016 literally eight days before i arrived at kennedy airport and made this triumphant and remarkable return to New York Radio. My next guest is one of my all-time favorites, man, back in the Imus days, and he's been kind enough to stick with me. And some of the conversations I've had over the last couple of years here at WABC, with him I've been the very best that I'll ever do, and it ain't because of me. A highly decorated war hero, Vietnam, just a terrific, brave, and smart man, my friend Colonel Jack Jacobs. Colonel Jacobs, good morning, buddy. How are you? Um, not bad for an old man, and thank you very much for the kind words, sir. It's all true. You're old? I don't get that uh, I don't get that feeling when I talk to you. I mean, you've got a, a lifetime of experience, and you served in Vietnam, but you sound and uh, you, you go about uh, your business as a young man, and you're great on this show. So I know you don't like to talk politics. You get very uncomfortable. You know I love Trump, but I don't dislike Biden. I despise Biden. But one thing you can't argue, you can blame it on somebody, you can replace the blame, do everyone. One thing you can't argue, what's happening around the world right now, and you and I will talk specifically about the Middle East next. This was not happening, Colonel, three, four years ago when Donald Trump was president. You want to tell me what the hell has happened? Well, we've decided and have for a long time that we were going to respond to threats around the world uh, in an unaggressive way. And this is not a recent phenomenon. Uh, If you go all the way back to the period of time just before the Second World War, for example, uh, we were not interested in getting involved. By the time we got into the war, by the time we were attacked, the war in Europe had already been going on for two and a half years. The war in Asia had been going on for over a decade. People were getting slaughtered on two continents, and we decided we were not going to get involved. Uh, that turned out to be the worst thing in the world. To do. Right, but that, but by the way, to your point, that's why I get so crazy when people try to sell me FDR. You're exactly right. These It went on for two and a half years. He knew for a fact, for a fact, that Jews were getting slaughtered. He turned around ships 
with Jews on the ships trying to escape. So to your point, I don't want to hear about FDR. He was a disaster. Right. Yeah, so it, it, but this country has a long history and tradition of being as isolationist as possible. And that works for a while, and it works until it doesn't work. And now is one of the times when it doesn't work. That It doesn't matter who is in the White House. We try really hard to stay out of other people's business, and it never works out very well for us. In the end, we wind up getting kicked in the teeth, which is why I would argue that responses to provocations in the Gulf, for example, uh, on shipping, on American ships and allied ships uh, by terrorists, uh, we try to avoid it, and we respond in a piecemeal fashion and that doesn't make an impression on people. Uh, if, if you want a, a real criticism of how we've conducted ourselves, uh, it, it would come from me. I think we've been, we've been too reluctant to respond to provocations and attacks, and that not only has to change, but it is likely to change. Sid. Let me ask you about Iran, and let's take Trump-Biden politics out of it. Well, maybe not, because Biden, dating back to his days with Obama, and now this administration, his own, that's two consecutive administrations in and around Trump, been in bed with Iran, bottom line, right? I mean, billions of dollars, hostage swaps, loosening sanctions, which enabled Iran to all of a sudden, from a country that their throats are being stepped on by Trump, they're making money. They made a ton of money on oil, and they funded Hamas. And now they're they're funding the the Houthis in Yemen, and now they're they're getting bombed by Pakistan. I mean, they become the real deal. You know, Jack, we allowed that to happen. Beginning about you know waiting to respond. How did we allow this country, Iran, all of a sudden to become a player again? Uh, well, this is another American uh, problem. We have a tendency to have a policy of hope. Uh, we hope bad guys are going to become good guys uh, if ignore them long enough. And, of course, that doesn't work either. And that's what's driven all this. Um, it's driven, among other things, Iran not only to fund Houthis, to fund Hamas, but to also fund Hezbollah, which is the biggest threat uh, in the region except for Iran itself. And they're using proxies to attack our uh, interests, the interests of our allies, and the interest of unaligned people who are just trying to go about their business. This will continue as long as we don't get serious about what Iran is up to and find ways to ensure that they can't fund people like Hamas and Hezbollah uh, and Houthi. If we don't do that, we're not going to like the outcome. Agreed. And we just did that with Donald Trump years ago. He stepped his, his foot was on their throats. They had no money. They did nothing. They did nothing. They had no money. Now they're running wild. I mean, last week alone, you know this, Jack. They had attacks in Syria, Iraq, Pakistan. Now, Pakistan actually responded. That surprised me. Uh, this morning, early this morning, they actually responded. But they've got, I mean, you talk about a set of baitsome. They're going after everybody. And until something is done, which may require going above and beyond financial pressure, I don't know how you stop it. I mean, would you consider, and again, I know you're a guy of peace. You don't want to go to war. But would you consider, Colonel Jack, decorated serviceman, would you consider some type of military interaction with Iran? 
Well, I think you can guarantee that there are plans to do exactly that. You know, each of the combatant commanders has to, by law, produce operations plans to respond to all kinds of provocations and threats in their region. And for Central Command, uh, this is no different. And they have to be submitted to the Joint Chiefs of Staff each year and certify that each of the plans uh, it will work and that they've tested them out in, in uh, uh, command post exercises and so on. These include plans to do the most outrageous things you can possibly think of, but we have to have plans for them. So we have plans to counter an attack by Russia, for example, on Western Europe, an attack by China on Taiwan or other interests in the region, and also to respond to uh, uh, to attack Iran. We have plans to do absolutely everything you can think of, and a lot of things you can't think of, uh, and it, that includes uh, attacking Iran. So we have plans for that. The question is, under what circumstances will we enact those plans? That's a political decision, said. Well, does that involve something happening here? I mean, I know that we pretend to care, and some of us do, about what happens in Israel and these other Middle Eastern countries around the world, but is it fair to assume until something happens here, or, or, or maybe not? Maybe this administration does something without that. What do you think? Well, it, it, it's going to depend on what Iran does. Iran is working really hard to use proxies, as we discussed, because they do not want to get involved in a shooting war with the United States because they will lose abjectly. So they're working. That's why they use all these proxies, and they don't do things directly. They probably made a big mistake uh, with Pakistan because Pakistan, among other things, has nuclear weapons. And as far as we know, Iran so far does not. They're working really hard to develop them. It's one of the things we have not done a very good job of thwarting. And ultimately, if we don't thwart it, they will have nuclear weapons. But they maybe took a tiger by the grab a tiger by the tail and in in uh, in Pakistan, because Pakistan probably has no compunction whatsoever to counterattack if it needs to. Uh, Pakistan's got a lot of internal problems, and and uh, and it's important for the for the politics inside Pakistan to make sure that they look strong. If they don't look strong, if they don't respond properly, then they do have bigger internal problems. So. Uh, Iran would like to have other guys fight their battles and probably made a mistake fighting it themselves with Pakistan. Decorated uh, Colonel Jack Jacobs, Vietnam vet, and uh, he knows his stuff. You look at that trio right now of China, who sits by and loves every second of this, you know that, Russia and Iran, that trio, the three of them, is that about as dangerous of a trio as you've seen, Jack, in Many years? Yeah, it is, actually. Now, you, you mentioned China and Russia. China and Russia are playing a long game. Uh, you're absolutely right when you say the city, China's sitting there watching this and, and loving every minute of it. Yeah. The, longer, the longer this goes on, these difficulties go on, the more it saps the strength of the West and the United States in particular, which is exactly what Russia and China want. Uh, that's why that's why they they're all trying to avoid precipitous action because they would just like to see the West sapped by these threats. And the longer it goes on, the more they like it. But you're absolutely right. That's 
That's an unholy trio if I ever saw one. I mean, seriously, Colonel Jack Jacobs. So I've never been to Israel, you know, uh, since October the 7th. I know you listen. You've been on this show. You'll be hard-pressed to find, maybe Levin, you'll be hard, or Ben Shapiro, but you'll be hard-pressed to find a, a bigger voice for the Jewish people than me. But I've never been to Israel. Well, the good news is we are going and we're going in nine days, and we're going to do four shows, Monday, January the 29th, through Thursday, February the 1st, from Jerusalem, which is um, uh, exciting, a little nerve-wracking. It includes just about every emotion you can imagine when you consider what's going on over there. And I think uh, you probably agree that for most people, this is not the ideal time to go. But, but in my case, because of what's going on, Colonel, this is the ideal time to go. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does to me. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've been to Israel many times and took a look around the border down in Gaza and the Golan Heights up in the southern part of uh, of Lebanon. And I can tell you that uh, it, it, it's, it's astonishing what's happened there. It used to be uh, uh, very secure. They were foot and uh, and motorized patrols on the Israeli side all the time they're back there again but they uh they lost the bubble uh they weren't paying attention they try to do security in a more efficient but uh it turns out to be less effective kind of way which is one of the reasons why this tragedy this terrorist uh misery has been visited on israel but you will be amazed when you go there how secure the border region is now uh it's very difficult for israel because this the, the, putting 300,000 people reservists in, in uniform has uh, begun to sap the uh, economy of, uh, of Israel. It's down about 2% since the war started, which is why uh, it would be better for Israel if this war ended quickly. That is to say, if they vanquished Hamas as quickly as possible, the international community won't let that happen and visits opprobrium on Israel every time they attempt to defend themselves, which is very, very disconcerting, not only to Israel, but to the United States and other allies of Israel. So uh, what what you'll notice there uh, is something very much different than Israel had been, let's say, in the last 10 years or so. Yes, fortified borders, all right, uh, but there's a, there's a tension there that would not have that, that you didn't have, let's yeah. say, four or five years ago. Yeah, well, but I, uh, it's, I think it's great that you're going, and it's going to be terrific. Thank you, Colonel. And look, you know, Bibi Netanyahu is paying the price for what you just talked about. 87% in a recent poll, 87% of Israelis believe that when the war is over, win or lose, and not win, he's going to be out because of what happened October the 7th. And by the way, there have been intelligence mistakes since. Just two days ago, we found out that Hamas has built about, about 150 more miles of tunnel that Israel ever knew about. So, A, they got away with the attacks on October the 7th, and B, they're actually their infrastructure is much bigger than Israel ever thought. Now, I like Netanyahu a lot, and I would hope he would keep his job. I don't think he will, but I would hope he would. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's going to keep his job. He's, there are a lot of people waiting to step in the wings. They want to, they're behind him now to get the war over, or get the hostages back, which is going to be a difficult thing to do. But at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. I don't think there's much internal support uh, for Netanyahu 
the politician when the war is over. Um, I, I got to say one thing: the United States, very close to Israel, we bear we. You could argue we bear some responsibility for the intelligence failure because we we listened to what Hamas was saying on the radio and in telephone conversations, and they were hoodwinking not just Israel but the United States, saying things like "We don't want to attack Israel; they're fine," and so on. And we listened to that stuff and believed it just like Israel did. So uh, it, they're our ally, and we're theirs, but at the end of the day, we bear some responsibility for missing that. Our intelligence yep. op- operation needs to get lots better because <laughs> we're under threat, too, from a wide variety of people, some of whom we've spoken about this morning, Sid. Well, uh, I don't, I'm not surprised. I mean, Lloyd Austin, I hope he's okay, but when your Secretary of Defense disappears, disappears, for the better part of two weeks, and nobody knows, not Biden, not Kirby, none of these guys. It doesn't surprise me that, yes, we've had our intelligence failures as well. So to wrap this up, Colonel Jack, you know, Trump is out there talking about the real possibility of World War III. And, of course, if, in fact, China does decide to go into Taiwan, we are pretty much guaranteed that's going to be the case. Or are we? What are your thoughts on the real possibility or not of World War III? Well, I'm less concerned about China going into uh, into Taiwan than I am about what's taking place in the Middle East at the moment. There's no doubt about the fact that China is uh, expanding. They'd love to take Taiwan. Very upset with the election results in Taiwan recently, uh, with, with the last election last week. Uh, but China, like we talked about, is in for the long game. They don't have to do anything uh, over the long term in order to get control of Taiwan. Uh, they'll ultimately be able to control it because the demographic is changing. Uh, the large majority of people do not remember 1949. Uh, recent polls indicate uh, that a a large uh, a minority, verging on a majority of young people inside Taiwan would just as soon be allied with or a part of China. So China doesn't have to attack anybody. They, won't, they don't want to do it because they don't want to annoy the United States, and that's liable to result in real problems for China. So they'll just sit there and wait. Uh, They'll wait until ultimately Taiwan winds up asking to be part of China. That's that's the real threat there. And in the meantime, we can just stave them off, demonstrate with our deployments in the Western Pacific that we mean business when we say we're going to defend Taiwan. But at the end of the day, China itself has no interest in starting a war with the United States over Taiwan. No, you're right. And the Middle East, that's uh, what we're keeping our eye on every morning because there's another country almost every day involved in some type of military action. Colonel Jack, you're the best. You know that. Thank you for hopping on this morning, and thank you for all you've done for me over the years, and please keep coming back. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the program, Sid. You got it, pal. There he is, highly decorated Colonel that man received just about every award from the bronze, purple heart, you name it, for what he did in Vietnam. And he continues to be a great voice. But what an 8 o'clock hour. You go from, well, we started with Beningo at the very top of the hour, but you go from Colonel Jack Jacobs to Bill O'Reilly. That's why this show is number one. The great Bill O'Reilly is coming up in about 15 minutes. Keep it right here.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. No matter what you are. Michael Goodwin's coming back today, so he hasn't been on for a while since... I told him that Biden was complicit in this war because of his Iran relationship, and he got upset, and I don't care if he got upset, I was right, and then I told you Goodwin wrote a column the other day which basically said I'm right, but we're not going to bring that up today. We love Michael. No, I mean, listen, Mike's a great writer. Can't deny that. The New York Post, I believe, has the two best writers in the country. Sorry, Lubica, douchebag. They've got... Um, Is he still right? He still writes for the Daily News. Oh, okay. He know. has the most... He his columns are like are like the most obvious, you know, kind of like, hey, the Eagles look bad <laughs> on Monday. Hey, it's time for McCarthy to go. Right. I mean, Lubica's <laughs> all over it. He's got about as much as ins- insight as, uh, well, the worst one you've ever heard. But uh, these two at the Post, Miranda Devine... And uh, Goodwin are great. They're the two best writers in the country. And Mike's a very smart guy. And we agree, we agree on a lot of stuff. You know, he just, he's one of those guys that'll, he'll criticize someone, Adams, Biden, but he stops. And me, I've got to just keep going, you know. That's, that's why people love me. You know? Okay. So there's somewhere there's a road between maybe the two of them. No, I don't know. I don't know. I know, yeah. that, I know that according to Alec, and I probably shouldn't share this on the air, but of course I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> Goodwin received a ton of emails from uh, unhappy Sid listeners. Uh, no kidding. I told you, I've got a big army here, folks. What I've got is. a big... You F with me in this city, you're in for a long day. Hey, Captain Complicit, why don't you agree? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the matter with you, Mike Sid's right? Of course he's complicit. Well, he's the nicest guy ever. He was super He's super nice about it and everything. So he's, he's a great guy. We love Mike. It's fine. Okay. He's a great writer. Yes. A bit of a wussy sometimes. <laughs> okay, I know what the first. Why question. don't you have him on? The first, first yeah. question will be. So, so uh, Michael, you know, I love your writing. You're a great writer. Right. So, this column over the weekend, <laughs> to have quoted somebody, can you yeah. let me know who that is? I mean, did you just listen back to our conversation and write it down? Anyway, he's coming up in uh, in the nine o'clock hour. So, but... Michael, I love you. This is one of the best conversations we've ever had. This is great. I, I love you to pieces. You know that. And these bastards never credit me, of course. You know, they just steal everything from me, and they don't say. Never say a word. Nothing. Sid As Army. if they came up with it themselves. Sit Army, get ready. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Joe Biden plays on both teams. No kidding. Wow. Well, well that's a little strong, Sid. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Still is the best. He'll always be the best, whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights right here on WABC or his own amazing website, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews, great columns, great TV show. No one has ever done it better. Nobody. The Killing Series, 13 in, Killing of the Witches, 
all spectacular New York Times bestsellers. He's got a new book coming out, I believe, uh, sometime this summer or early fall. He's the best ever. He's my man, Bill O'Reilly. Bill, good morning, buddy. How are you? I have a cold. You do? I could tell in the morning message. Yes, I have the sniffles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if you want to get better, the one yes. place the one place you shouldn't go is New Hampshire. <laughs> it's a little chilly up there. <laughs> yeah. You know, on the No Spin News on BillOReilly.com last night, I ran my clip where I was in New Hampshire in 2006. Um, and that, what now, is eight years ago, right? I'm sorry. 18 years right, ago. Right. Oh, my God. I'm so delirious. Um, <laughs> and I got into that little kerfuffle with Obama's body man who tried to block the shot when we were covering the then senator doing a rally. It's a classic clip. It's posted on BillOReilly.com for anybody who wants a few laughs. I had to literally toss this guy. Uh, out from the, and I'm yelling at him, and yeah. Obama's hearing all this, and so is the Secret Service looking at me. Going, Are you going to hit him? I wouldn't have hit him, but I physically moved him out of the way. Um, it was hysterical. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, you folks should check that out. Go to BillOReilly.com. We'll get to Obama and that side of the aisle, but on this side, so Trump goes to Iowa. He demolishes everyone. No surprise. But a little surprise, and listening to you and no one's better the last couple of weeks, that Ron DeSantis, who did come in second, maybe that's why he's sticking around because he didn't finish third, but he still took a savage beating, a beating. He's sticking yeah. around and going to South Carolina. Why? Well, he's in New Hampshire, too, and, I mean, he's, he's pulling in uh, single digits there in, in some in some of the surveys. What's he doing? I, I, you know, it it amazes me. It really does. So he lays off a bunch of uh, staffers today. Um, they're he, they're not paying them anymore. And so does he think that somehow um, it's like Abraham on the mountain that God is going to come down as hey, <laughs> hey Ron, yeah. if you sacrifice your first son, then I, you're going to win. You know, does he really does what? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So DeSantis had a chance. And it's DeSantis's fault only that he didn't seize the chance because, I'm sorry, this is the truth, he is boring. If it were Ron DeSantis and friends in the morning on WABC, <laughs> you guys would be 45th in the ratings. Okay? That's a good line. He's... <laughs> Boring. He is boring, but I'm also going to give some credit. You're right. Everything he says is right. I'm going to give some credit to Trump because I remember early on when Trump was beating him up, I had his daughter-in-law on. She's on all the time, Lara. And I go, why is your father-in-law beating up Ron DeSantis? And she would say to me, you know, Sid, I'm not sure, but but I've learned not to question my father-in-law. And as it turns out, he bludgeoned Ron DeSantis so badly that by the time he got into the race, the body was already dead. It was a caucus. I disagree. I don't think Trump had anything to do with this. Okay. I think if DeSantis had been a charismatic campaigner, smile, light, connecting with the folks, I'm in it with you. Let me give you an example, and, and this is a very vivid example. I don't know him, Ron DeSantis. One of the few I don't know. He has run the state of Florida very well. 
And if you disagree, okay. No, no, yeah, outside of the home insurance problem. Like which... There are millions of people going yes. to the state, and yes. most of them are happy after they get there. Yes. And in every category, they make New York look foolish um, on crime, on education. So he has done a masterful job down there. But there's something missing. He's almost like an AI guy. <laughs> And people in this day and age, they're comparing him to Trump. It's not what Trump's saying. It's that Trump gets out there, and if you show up or watching on television, you get an hour of entertainment. You're watching Fantasy Island there, and the next thing you know, they're going to have a little dwarf come on in with a tray and a champagne bottle. Okay? That's what it is. It's a show. And and Trump governed well as well, so he could fall back on that. But when you compare the two, and they're fairly similar in their world view, not a big difference, you're going to go with the entertaining guy. So last week, you may have seen this, Newsweek magazine, which isn't really a magazine anymore, doesn't publish, but it's on the uh, internet. They run a story that in Florida, which passed this law that you can't have inappropriate sexual material for children in school libraries. And I supported that law, and I believe you do too. Yes. You don't want that kind of stuff creeping in nope. because some progressive loon has an agenda that wants to do whatever. All right? So the law was good. You know, they pulled John Grisham's books out of a library. Stephen King's books, and Frank, and Bill O'Reilly, Killing Jesus and Killing Reagan. Pull this out of the school library. No kidding. In a county around Pensacola, Florida, for quote-unquote evaluation. Now, that's insane, even if you hate me. All right? You're pulling Killing Jesus? Those kids need all the Jesus they can get. Damn right. All right? So we call... DeSantis's office, because he signed that law. All we wanted was a comment. Do you support this? Why are they doing this? Because there's no explanation. None. We get his deputy director of communications on the line, and my staff's good. And she basically gives us a finger. Wow. No comment, and is snide and rude. <laughs> okay. You want to play that kind of game? I have noted it. And I went on uh, TV, radio, whatever, and I told the story. That is 100% true. That tells me there's something wrong in his organization. There you go. I buy it. And uh, by the way, I have made uh, multiple attempts to get Ron on this show because, like you said, I give him credit for being a great governor. Uh, he's still my second choice behind Trump. I don't like Haley. And um, he wants no part of this show. I don't know why, but he, he wants to no even part. know what it is. I know. Sid. I know. You're look, right. Look, th this is the problem here, that even if you don't want to do a show and you're busy, Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, whoever it may be, okay, you're polite. You say, thank you for the invitation. And if you, somebody asks you for a comment, you give them a comment. You treat people with respect. He does not. And I'm telling you, that's one of his big problems. He doesn't understand the big picture. So, look, I got no ill will toward Ron DeSantis at all. 
I'm a neutral on Ron DeSantis. He's run a bad campaign. The original question you asked me is, why is he still there? I don't know. The weather's much nicer in Florida than in New Hampshire. <laughs> no doubt about that. Well, let's uh, keep this on pause for one second because he may show up in South Carolina and New Hampshire, but he's done. He's done. He's done. Nikki Haley's done, too, but she doesn't think so. And I want to get your thoughts on Nikki, who continues to tell people at every opportunity this is now a two-man race, even though she's a woman. Nikki Haley, Bill O'Reilly's opinion coming up next. Keep it right here, Sid and Friends in the morning. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. I'm back. back with the best ever, Bill O'Reilly. So all I'm hearing for weeks is how Nikki Haley is going to win New Hampshire, and I don't care. She can win New Hampshire. It means nothing. She's not win the primary. She's not even going to win New Hampshire. The latest polls this morning have Donald Trump lengthening his lead over Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. And right now, in her own home state of South Carolina, she's getting hammered. In the polls. So I could really ask you the same question, even though she came in second, she's got a lot of money, all those never Trumpers love her. I could ask you the same question about her. What does she think is going to happen? Well, first of all, uh, it's hard to poll in New Hampshire because you can vote Republican if you are a Democrat. So that is a tough tough call for these pollsters to make, and they'll never be honest about it. And on the flip side, by the way, Democrats will vote for Nikki Haley just to keep out Donald Trump. That's right, and that's what's going on. Tens of millions of dollars has flowed into New Hampshire, um, and Democratic activists are up there now uh, canvassing um, the Democratic role, saying, just go to the poll next Tuesday, when you walk in, tell them you want to change your registration from Democrat to independent and vote against Trump. Vote for anybody else against Trump, but Nikki Haley would be best. And some of these zombies will do that. That's not going to be uh, calculated in the poll, but it's legal. So you're right. New Hampshire really doesn't mean anything. It's not MAGA country. Um, They're skeptical of him, a little too city slicker up there. Um, for the New Hampshire rights. But I suspect that Trump will win, not by an overwhelming margin. Right. But then it's a month before South Carolina, a month. So the strategy on the Democrat side is we hope Nikki Haley will win or become close so we can give the press orders, and and they do work in conjunction now, um, to slam Trump as losing momentum uh, for four weeks, because that's what they'll have before the next big vote. There's a few caucuses, but the, they're very light. So that's a 
that's a strategy that's in play. Now, you would think everybody would report that. No, of course not. They're not going to do that. So what I think is going to happen is that Trump will beat Haley by a little bit. And then Haley will be going out there going, look, I told you. Um, and it's true. It's really DeSantis has got no shot. Haley's got no shot either. But she doesn't want to believe that. You know, people believe what they want to believe. Right. And and she's kind of saying, well, maybe something will happen legally or maybe this and I'll be there. It's like the Michael right. Jackson song. Right. I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's no real path to victory. And to your point, you nailed it again, Bill O'Reilly. I've got CNN on in the newsroom. I've got every channel on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, all of it. Out of the corner of my eye, all I see for, for like a half hour, Nikki Haley campaigns, campaigns in New Hampshire with five days until the primary, and they're promoting this interview, this town hall coming up with Jake Tapper and Nikki Haley. Yeah. So, so they have absolutely adopted her as their baby because she kills Trump. How fake Jake, and I don't like to use those kinds of names, but I loathe him. It's a good name, though, fake Jake. I like that. Trump would like that. I loathe, I loathe him. Well, he didn't, you know, wait a second, didn't he and Wolf Blitzer and a few other of those guys come after you at some point not that uh, long ago? I don't even know. Yeah. But he is such a phony. Oh, my God. Really? Where do you see how he kisses her butt? <laughs> Where do you see that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he is, uh, it, look. I don't care whether you disagree with, and you know me long enough to know this. Yep. I don't care if you're liberal. I don't. None of that bothers me. If you hold a sincerely held belief or ideology, I respect it. That's the American way. But if you're a phony, if you're on television and you're doing stuff that's calculated to boost you and not get information, honest information to your viewers. I loathe you. I love that. Because that, mm. those jobs are very few. Mm-hmm. And if you get one, you've got to be honest. You have to be honest. It's like a cop. It's like a dirty cop, you know? You're a police officer. You have got to be honest. And if you are not, you should be punished. It's the same thing in the media. And this guy, intellectually, I mean, what I'm talking about is... In my opinion, and I know him for a long time, he is not looking out for anybody but himself. So you expect him tonight to grill her or whenever it is? No way that's going to happen. Well, the good news is I won't be watching. So. Um, yeah, nobody will. No, no one's going to watch that. Those nonsense. ratings at CNN, I see them every day. It's astounding. More people listen to WABC. <laughs> I know. Then, then watch CNN at prime time. Yeah, I know. I don't get it, and they're not not paying these guys. I mean, I don't know, but I got I got uh, Tapper makes a, a few million bucks. He's been there for a while. All right, what about Anderson Cooper? He's got to make a couple of million. Uh, he, Anderson is really well. Of course. So yeah. how are they paying these people getting ratings less than radio stations? CNN International. Yeah, I know. I That's know all about it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, in the final minute or two here, another brilliant comment. You don't feel well, but you sound amazing. Um, more and more people that I talk to, it started with you. But there's only one guy left. Only one guy left. My friend, Rich Lowry, from the National Review, who believes Joe Biden will be the candidate. Nobody else. Every other guest I bring on says, nap ain't going to be Joe. They're almost ready to say Michelle Obama, but they're all ready to say, nap ain't going to be Joe. 
So it ain't going to be Joe, I guess, huh? Well, I'm the first one who said it. Um, I can't imagine that this man is going to uh, be able to conduct a campaign. I mean, we put his daily schedule up every day. Three out of five days, he does nothing. 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 There's nothing on his official schedule at all. I, nobody's ever seen anything like this. So, oh God. And the other you know, point, the we've other been point, over this before, but it's an easy play. He pulls an LBJ. Yeah. I'm not going to resign, but I can't run again, health reasons or whatever. Want to spend more time with Hunter? You know, with your family, you want to spend more time with Hunter. Hunter looks like he's got some fun stuff going on, so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Um, and then, but they're not going to do that unless Michelle Obama will step in. She's the only one, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's getting close podcasts and, and it's funny, the, you know, the contrast as you put up on com, his schedule, which three out of five days, he does nothing. This other poor bastard, he's going from court to different states two, three times a day. It's unbelievable, Bill. The energy for that man as he nears 78 years old, is remarkable, is it not? Yeah, I look, whatever Trump's eating, you know, you want to eat. Um, <laughs> he, he is. Uh, the guy, um, he doesn't sleep. He's a vampire. He turns into a bat. Um, and then in the morning, he's supposed to go back, and you know, but no, he's out. He really, for a, for a guy, what is he, 78 now, 77? Yeah, he's 78, yeah. Uh, he... he Look, like him or not, whatever energy level he has, you want to, you want to get that when yeah. you're a senior citizen, that's for sure. Absolutely. Hey, Bill, you're tremendous. You're the best ever. I love you. Thank you for this conversation. We'll do it again very soon. Thank you. All right. Stay, stay strong. You Steve. too. That's my man, Bill O'Reilly. Yes, for this one, Bill, you got it. Michael Jackson. Hour four coming up. in the morning 77 WABC
Well, I got to tell you, I had the weather all wrong in Israel. <laughs> For some reason, I thought it's going to be nice out. 70 degrees, sunny, but I guess not. It's winter, so it's uh, cold there. When I say cold, not like this. This is unbearable, but low 50s for the high, low 40s for the low. And then I saw this. I'll get to Michael Goodwin momentarily. I saw this. I couldn't believe it. I I thought I saw rain in the 10-day forecast. I'm like, wait a second. It rains in the desert? It's It's not all desert. I know. Stop yelling at me. I've never there's, been there's there before. Trees and stuff and forests okay. and, and, and you know. And, I saw rain. <laughs> it's like I think you're gonna hop. You think you're gonna hop off the place? It's gonna be the Sahara Desert. I don't. I don't know. I've never been there before. God, <laughs> <laughs> I keep telling you the same thing. We are about to land. To the left, yeah. you will see the desert. Yeah. Please avoid. You know what's? You know what the wise ass. You know what's interesting about this trip <laughs> is as much as I want to go. And again, we're leaving. I'm actually leaving a week from Saturday, but our first show will be Monday, January 29th from Jerusalem. Four shows that week, four consecutive days. Is as much as I want to go, they want me there as much as I want to go there. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many people who live there reached out to me, said, Sid, we need you here. You've been our voice back in America. I've been very, very steadfast. I blame the right people, Biden. And I've made excuses for my friends. But I know nothing about the country. I've never been there before. so You'll learn a lot. It'll be great. I can't wait. Michael Goodwin, I miss him. It's been a couple of weeks since he's been on. He wrote a couple of really, but he's always great. He's a great writer. He is. As Trump nears GOP nomination, elitist media again treat American voters like they're stupid It's 2016 all over again. And I think I read something from Michael Goodwin very recently where he said, and I quote, maybe not verbatim, that Joe Biden is kind of playing on both teams, right? Iran and Israel. Something I've been saying since October 8th. Here he is, the great Post columnist, my friend Michael Goodwin. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Sid. And I envy you going to Israel. Uh, I'm surprised it's your first time. I mean, yeah. you you know, you have a real treat ahead of you. How many times have you been there? Four times. Wow. Four, um, and how recently were you there? The last time was um, probably five years ago. Oh, so relatively recently. You know, yeah. Michael, it's interesting because a bunch of people have said to me, and I brought this up with Colonel Jack Jacobson, and he understood what I was saying. They said, why now? And I said, why now? Exactly now. Because if you think it's too dangerous or you're questioning, blah, 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 I go, that's exactly why I want to go. You know, does that make any sense to you? Well, look, I I think that there's no substitute for for being there. And certainly in this time frame with what's going on, I think all of the qualities of Israel – um, are are front and center. I mean, first of all, the thing that I think every visitor for the first time who moves around is struck by is how small it is. Um, I mean, I was uh, the last time I went, we took a helicopter trip, and you can you can sort of traverse the country from north to south. Um, in a half hour or something wow. like that, uh, you know the the fighter jets, the Israeli fighter jets, are something are over Israeli territory only for a matter of minutes, and they have to bank to keep from flying into neighboring airspaces. I mean, the the this, 
the smallness of it against the odds, uh, I think just when you see it, I mean, you can go to the north. You can, if, if you're allowed now because of Hezbollah, I mean, you can see Lebanon. You, you can see the Lebanese border. You can go to those towns now that are, have been vacated because of the shelling from the north. Uh, you can, you know, I, I was fortunate. I saw all the kibbutzes uh, in the south, uh, right near the Gaza fence at the time. I mean, it, it's, and of course, Jerusalem and Tel Aviv are like night and day. They're such different cities. Um, the ocean, I mean, it's beautiful beach country. I mean, it's, it's an extraordinary, and the food, food is very, very good. Um, it, it's, it's got, it had anyway, a great nightlife in Tel Aviv. And of course, Jerusalem, I mean, to go have a drink in the King David hotel, to have lunch out on the, I mean, there's so much history to, you know, the, the, the tour guides, uh, are so knowledgeable. It's very hard to be a guide in Israel. Uh, I have gone both with, uh, Israeli Jewish guides and with Palestinian Christian guides. Interesting. To, to the old city. I mean, it's just, it, it's so many layers and depths of history and so many cultures and, of course, the, the great religions. I mean, it's, I envy you. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was about to ask you, if you were offered the trip to go now, uh, would you go? Because uh, there's a lot of people in the media, very, very famous people, that when they found out I was going, the first two words they sent me were not good time, have a good time. It was be careful. One said to me, very, very famous, one said to me they were offered a trip there January 10th, and as much as they love Israel and they want to go, they were too nervous, decided not to go, which, again, is exactly why I am going. If you were offered that trip, would you go now, even with the way things are? I probably would, sure. I mean, I think it's, I think it's an extraordinary place. It is dangerous now. I mean, not just from the missile, from the rockets that continue to come from Gaza, but also from the individual terrorism attacks that we saw just recently, you know, ramming a car, uh, shooting people at bus stations, you know, individual uh, terrorists just pulling out a knife or a gun somewhere. Um, no, it's, it, it is very dangerous. Um, and, of course, the Houthis are looking for ways to fire their missiles into Israel. Um, it, it is perhaps the most dangerous time since, uh, the, you know, any of the big wars or even the founding. Well, I don't want to get into name-calling with Biden. We've done that, you and I, already. Um, <laughs> but, but I did read your column, and, and I believe your column did say, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, Michael, but I believe your column did say very recently that Joe Biden kind of playing for both teams, the bad guys and the good guys. Did you or did you not write that? Well, I, I didn't phrase it that way, uh, but I have written a number of times uh, that I think Biden has undercut uh, Israel, uh, not necessarily to help the Palestinians or, or Hamas, but to protect himself politically from the far left in this country. And so, you know, look, I mean, just to well, let me stop you for a second. Landscape. Let me stop you for a second. That yeah. is so dangerous because I can say the same thing. I know you'll agree with this. I can say the same thing about Mayor Eric Adams' stance on the migrants, knowing better, knowing better, he looks to protect himself from the far left because 
you know this as well as I do, that he's got aspirations to do more than just mayor. And whether it's President Biden or Mayor Adams, when they make decisions based on their political future, rather than what's good for the people, they become very, very dangerous. Well, that's right. And, and you, you know, in, in uh, Biden's case, I mean, the situations are somewhat different. I take the point, but I think in Biden's case, it, it's a matter of appeasement. Um, he, he has appeased Iran. He, is, he tried to appease the, the, the Palestinians, the world, the world opinion, the anti-Semitic world. And he's trying to appease the left in this country, the, particularly young people who are normally a core demographic for the Democratic Party. And they don't want him to run. More than half of the young people who are registered Democrats do not want Joe, Joe Biden to run. And uh, then you have even further, you have this group called Abandon Biden, which is a radical Muslim group. And I think, I mean, they are saying that they will, that they are urging Muslim Americans to stay home and to not vote for Joe Biden uh, because he is helping Israel. Now, this raises to me a real question about their allegiances in the world. I mean, these are Muslim Americans. They are registered to vote. They vote two-thirds Democrats normally. There are over a million of them in this in this group. I mean, in this uh uh, uh, demographic, and they all vote two-thirds Democratic, uh, and they are basically supporting Hamas. Now, I don't know. That's that's a pretty amazing. I was talking to somebody about this the other day, Sid, and we, we both remembered a 1934 or so picture of a Bund meeting in Madison Square Garden. So you had actual Hitler supporters in New York City in the early days of his takeover in Germany. This reminds me of that. You have people in America, American citizens who can vote supporting Hamas. That's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, it's uh, well, extraordinary is a nice way of saying really disturbing. Um, <laughs> right, you're right. Yeah, especially in this city. Nobody does it better than New York. They block tunnels, they block bridges, and we throw a couple in jail, and they come back the next day and go, so what? I mean, just last night, in fact, in Whitestone, they, um, they, they basically stopped a political meeting between Mozzie Pillip, Peter King, and Vicky Palladino as she tries to go out and win George Santos' seat. So they're everywhere, they're everywhere, and uh, they become a real problem. they got to figure out something in the city above and beyond uh, the mayor and Eddie Caban and Michael Kemper arresting folks when they block a bridge or a tunnel. Uh, they now have just harassed. They're harassing people all over the place. I'm not sure that's against the law, but they got to figure something out. This is becoming unsustainable. I, I agree. And there's lots of graffiti. Uh, someone sent me a picture yesterday on a post office in a mailbox, you know, free Palestine. I mean, it's graffiti all over Manhattan, even uh, from these protests. And and you're right. They're entitled to to their free expression, right to assembly. But they are not entitled to disrupt others and block streets and and that sort of thing and disrupt other you know events and that's where i think the city has to get a handle on this it has to 
get ahead of it. I mean, that's what the police have always tried to do with these disruptive things, to channel them in ways. Uh, but you have to have the intelligence. You have, to, you have to be on social media. You have to be there before they are so that you can control these uh, movements uh, so they don't take over the city and infringe on the rights of law-abiding people. This is uh, the great, and I mean great, columnist for the New York Post, Michael Goodwin. So, Mike, you've been around a long time. You've covered a lot of folks, and uh, you're way above average intelligence, <laughs> way above average. What you've seen from Donald Trump, it really is hard to explain in any logical sense. I mean, you know, indictments, four of them, the E. Jean Carroll case, 99% of the media liberals that bash him, ridiculous, but they bash him every second for the better part of eight years. There is no logical reason to understand why he is going to win the primary easily and maybe become 47 as he was 45, other than this. And you wrote it. We are not stupid. We are not stupid, and we don't like what we see every day. So despite all these forces going against Trump, you got to admit, pretty resilient guy, yes? It's extraordinary. I mean, his his ability to... Not only survive the the gauntlet, but but to go out there every day and to stand up against it, uh, and to have so many people rally around him. I mean, it, none of us have ever seen anything quite like this. And you know, it, it it occurred to me the other day, Sid. What if the Democrats had not prosecuted him? What if they had not? you know, sort of campaigned against him and made him this bogeyman in a way that I think caused people to rally against him. I mean, when you remember back before the first indictment, there were real there was a real movement. There was a thought that, you know, his time had passed, that that Republicans would nominate probably DeSantis or somebody else. and then the indictment started. Oh, no, no, and no. His numbers no. kept going let up. Me, let me stop you for a second, because um, I've said this to many people and to a man, Trump's people, Bannon, you name it, they all agree. It was before the indictments, because you're right. You're right. December, brutal month. The Kanye West and neo-Nazi dinner at Mar-a-Lago. I should rip up the Constitution, that ridiculous trading card. All that December was brutal. But before the first indictment, where America started to fall in love with President Trump again, was on one afternoon while Joe Biden was in the Rose Garden, not the Rose Garden, excuse me, Zelensky's garden mugging for pictures in Ukraine. Uh, President Trump stepped off a plane in East Palestine, Ohio. These poor people are still glowing in the dark, God bless them, and bought McDonald's and handed out water before the indictments, before they made him a boogeyman, which you're right, just strengthened him. The day he set foot in Ohio, America said, you know what? We miss him. Well, and Biden, of course, has never gone there. Uh, to this day. And Pete Buttigieg went once and said and did nothing. Uh, and that town is still waiting. Uh, look, I, I mean, that's a good point. I had not I had not remembered that connection. But I think it, you know, we, woven throughout this this last year has been these indictments and, and criminal charges against Trump, the civil case in New York, the Gene Carroll case, all of that. 
And I think we now see pretty much the complete fruition of the Biden presidency. And so you have this this contrast in our face every day of I mean, even what Jamie Dimon said yesterday yes. and in, uh, I guess, in Davos about how Trump was not wrong about immigration, about China, about taxes, about the economy. Right. He, put, he phrased it not wrong. Uh, and, and that maybe the Democrats ought to lighten up on this MAGA Nazi stuff because it's not really good for the country, but it's not working either. And I think that this this combination of the Biden failures and the prosecutions of Trump, along with just Trump's natural ability to, you know, draw a crowd, have really made him this imposing candidate that he has become. Agreed. Final 60 seconds. Let's take it back local, because you and I have had great conversations about the mayor who was just on this show for 30 minutes three days ago. I thought did a very, very good job. I was with him last I read week. read the transcript, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you saw it. Good. Thank you. Uh, but you, your stories, or your columns, I should say, on Adams are the most accurate in the city. So what do you think about this potential? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a rumor there'll be a potential showdown between Trump and Michelle Obama, not Trump and Biden. What do you think about the rumor about this potential showdown between Eric Adams and Andrew Cuomo? Um. It's very, very possible. Um, I think Cuomo definitely wants to get back into the game. He doesn't really have another life to live. I mean, this is his life. This is, in his mind, the family business. And he wants back into it. He has also said, and I don't know whether he, he still believes this, that he would not run against Adams in a primary. So that presupposes or puts a condition on it that Adams would be indicted, I assume, and resigned and forced from office, whatever. Uh, I don't know what Cuomo is thinking about that, but there's no question he wants back in. Uh, And I think uh, being mayor, uh, you know, just in terms of the election calendar, mayor comes up first. Right. So that's 25 next year, 25. There is a mayoral election. And if Adams is either uh, not running for some reason or looks very beatable, then I think Cuomo would be very interested and find it find it hard to resist, frankly. Agreed. Michael Goodwin, you're brilliant. I love having you on. I love you. Thank you so much for coming back today. And we will do this often leading up to the hour Super Bowl, not the 11th in Vegas, but November here in 2024. <laughs> Michael Goodwin, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Sid. My man, Michael Goodwin, great columnist, New York Post. Another great conversation. We'll take a short break. We'll come back. Sid and friends in the morning on a Thursday. Come on, Louis, baby. Look at you.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? Ask a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. When I was young, it seemed that life was so wonderful. guest for today. So, it was a tremendous guest list, I must say. Curtis Sliwa. Well, Suzanne Miller started the show. Curtis Sliwa, Joe Beningo, Colonel Jack Jacobs, Bill O'Reilly, and Michael Goodwin. Tomorrow, Artie Idala will be here early. He got a lot to cover, that uh, James Dolan case, Dolan, Harvey Weinstein. What's that about? Of course, uh, Donald Trump's latest legal stuff. There was something else I forget that I wanted to get to with Artie, but... I'll figure it out by tomorrow morning. Joe Tacopina tomorrow. Andrew Giuliani tomorrow. Well, who else is? Uh... Judge Napolitano begins his in-person oh, that's in studio. Right. He used to be on Thursdays. Thank you, Justin. Now the judge will be in studio 8.15 on Fridays. Oh, and Gordon Chang tomorrow. In- indeed, yes. Oh, no. What? That means doom is a project. That's not true. <laughs> I noticed the last couple of times he's been on, he's been very optimistic. Yeah, sure. Okay. Right, because he's prepared for the apocalypse so many times <laughs> in the last year. And let me say this. Things have gotten much worse. It is. Now we don't need uh, him. Yeah. We can tell him it's terrible. Oh, my God. It's only God. a matter of time until he's right. So yeah. I know. Exactly. <laughs> right now we have 18 countries prepared to all fire their nukes. Prepare to face, Sid, what has to be the unimaginable. What a mess. It really is a mess. And people, they're still... You're, go, you're going where next week? Oh, oh I'm not even telling them. No, I'm not even telling them. I, I, I don't even want to hear it. Yeah. You know, when you step off the plane, the first thing that happens, what was the question again? I, I would prepare not to. And there's still, believe it or not, I don't care if it's 35%. 38%. I don't care what it is. There is still that percentage of people. This is unbelievable. I think Joe Biden's doing a good job. Yeah. I mean, I know you hate Trump. I get it. You hate Trump. You're an asshole. You hate Trump. That's fine. <laughs> what can I tell you? I miss used to tell me all the time, you just can't teach stupid. Fine. I get it. Or fix it. Or fix it. But you're going to tell me Biden's doing a good job. What's going right? What is going Right, other than the Ravens and the 49ers, they're doing okay out there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Even the Knicks. What is going right? I don't know. We have like uh, two more stops that so I got to take a break I guess. I I with the point guard situation very <laughs> troubling. You, you know what? Now to... that you did that, the first question for Chang tomorrow is not going to be about Iran or Russia or the Middle East. I'm going to ask him about if the... the Knicks should make a trade to bolster the backup point guard position. That's a great idea. That's right then. I'm write that I'm down. Hold on, write you. that down. I'm going to remind you. I'll just bring back Jeremy Lin. I'm going to remind you. Yeah, yeah. Bring back Jeremy Lin. That's perfect for Gordon Chang. That's funny. That's racist. No, That's no, 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 no. It's yes, just it funny. It's no, no, just no, no. funny. No, no, you said Lin and Chang. Oh, my God. Some... This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Heavenly birthday to the great Glenn Fry here. Glenn Fry, the Eagles. Glenn passed away on this date eight years ago. I'll never forget that because, again, the risk of repetition and boring you people, which I never do. That was eight days before I flew back to New York City and nine days before my first show at WABC with my late great partner, Bernard. God rest his soul. So nine days will be eight years for me here at WABC, and I'll be on a flight to Israel, so there'll be no celebration here. Maybe when I get back, or I doubt it. They'll probably wait for the 10-year anniversary, I would guess. I don't know. Hey, Alec, are you um, packing anything for Israel that's nice? I, I'll tell you why. I know that um, most of the time we'll be touring spots that don't necessarily call for nice Clothing. In other words, the kibbutz, hmm. you know, the spots down by the border in Gaza. Yeah. You're not going to be dressed up with that. I get it. You know, sweat, you know, sweatpants, whatever, jeans and, and one of those sweatshirts. Yeah. Um, but we are going to Alex Trayman's house for Shabbos dinner. That is the only night. You're not one of my kids, okay? You're staying with me and my family. You're not one of my kids. You can go out at night and do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I heard Israeli girls are gorgeous. Have fun. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that Friday night, you have to go to Shabbos dinner. Okay. And you can't go there wearing a Philadelphia Eagle shirt. Oh, sure. That's, that's, yeah, I won't. Well, he I won't obviously speak. will not be doing that. He won't do it now. That's for right. Sure. He would have done it last week. <laughs> right. Thank God the Eagles were eliminated. Right. But... No, I'm definitely not going to do it. So now. you're going to pack like a jacket? Yeah, of course. I, I, I will be dressed very uh, amicably, and if you will. Kids. But I don't know. Okay, but my family invited me to Shopster, but you'd like me at Tremens? I'll go to Tremens. Mm, it's your family, though. I'm not, I'm not gonna... But I, you can see them on Saturday night. It's not a big deal. Yeah, that's right. So, yes, you'll yeah. go with me. Yeah. Okay. Is this your aunt and uncle? Yeah. They didn't invite me, though. No, they did actually invite you, but Tremens invited you yesterday. Oh. I figured you would rather well, do well, that. I'm going to be there for like six nights, so I can only go to your family in one night? No. Why don't we all, we, why don't we all go to dinner at my family's on, uh, on Saturday? That's a horrible idea. Why? It'll be fun. It will? It'll be a blast. Uh, maybe. 
I got to ask uh, Danielle and my kids. Okay. Yeah. Don't forget the kids are coming. Right. So. I would imagine that they would get a say. Ava gets a big say. Right. Gabe, you know, he he pouts and the whole thing, but he eventually just complies. Mm-hmm. Ava, she'll fight you to the death. Right. Right. Exactly. So she'll if she doesn't like your family for some, she never met him. No. Never met him. No. Couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but she Absolutely. may not like him. No. Well, I mean, listen, my uncle's very Israeli. I'm yeah. convinced he's in the Mossad. Oh, really? I'm convinced. That's kind of sexy. I know. Yeah. And uh, my my aunt is the sweetest uh, woman uh, uh, on the face of the earth. They have any kids? Yeah, I got three grown uh, grown adult cousins. Are they going to be there too? Yeah, one has a family of her own. Yeah, I'm not going. Okay. Yeah. But the the it's a very kind invitation. It's very open, and yeah, they're, I don't want to talk. It's an enthusiastic invitation. But then what if I have to talk to these these cousins of yours? You, you, just, spend, you spend four hours every day talking into a microphone. Right, but uh, I'm not looking at anybody. You're looking at us. Right, that's fine. But now, but uh, no, I'm, I'm not asking him questions. Right, I have to right. sit that's there with your dopey uh, family members and start asking me all this Gnome's, nonsense. Gnome's and... got some advice for you. <laughs> oh, I, w- I wasn't giving you advice. My father wanted you to know that oh he wanted God. you to come to and you uh, just well, into his house for Shabbos. Well, what are we going to do now? He, he made sure he wanted me to, you know, give you the end. Well, it's not like I see my Israeli family every day. Yeah. Right. I mean, he was already putting the the, the menu together. And well, everything. okay. <laughs> Well, you guys well why don't we just invite Noam's father to your aunt and uncle's house? That's a good idea. You could do that. And then we all get together one night. Everybody's happy. Because spending multiple nights with these people, I, I must tell you, sounds awful. It sounds Sorry, absolutely no. unbearable. Actually. So yeah. get it over in one, <laughs> yeah. night, one awful night. I don't even want to spend time with them at dinner time. Uh, well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Noam? <laughs> that, that's your call. Isn't it? <laughs> I'm the closest you got. I'm a bold Jew with a yeah. son named Gabe, <laughs> which is exactly like Noam. Uh, this whole hour has been brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan. <laughs> And the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Check them out today and every day. What a great trip. <laughs> well, you know what happens. PeerlessBoilers.com. They, uh, they reach out to me, and it's very sweet. I mean, I, I must make this point. It's very sweet. And, and they really want to spend some time together. But it's, it's going to be long days and uh, very emotional days, especially the days where we end up uh, down there by the kibbutz and, and uh, the Nova Music Festival and you know, I'm a very sensitive guy. So are you, Justin. So yeah, and you and you need to do all the things that that good Jews have to do the first time they go right. to Israel. Right, go up Wailing Wall. Yeah, of course. Yes. So I don't know what my time. I just don't want to make any commitments. And then if I'm tired, or Ava's tired, or Danielle's tired, yeah, and then it becomes a whole thing. And they're like, "Oh, we'll screw Justin." And uh, yeah, yeah. no, you can't screw me. I got. I can figure. I can figure it out. No worries. No. Don't worry about me. Sure, it'll be okay. <laughs> I'm basically Israeli. I'll let my father know. <laughs> no, I want to see your father. Yeah. What's his first name again? No, you know, he'll come. To, I bet he'll come and see you in yeah, person yeah, yeah. No, in the studio. He'll no, come to I, the show. That's great. Even better. Yeah. I definitely yeah. want to see your dad because yeah. I love you. What's your father's name? He heard you talking about him being his limo driver, so he thought that was pretty funny. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, that. Well, does he listen from Israel? He does, yeah. You'd be surprised how many people, and Yehuda told me this, listen every day in Israel. Uh-huh. All you got to do is download the app. The app is free. They listen to us everywhere, all over the world. Well, I mean, maybe not in Yemen, but no. that we're big in Yemen. How cool would that be, though? They loved us there, too. We don't even care. You know, we like the music. We like the music he plays. Hey, listen, I'm the best in Yemen. That's all there is. That's all there is to it. You're never going to get any more than that. That's it. Come on. That's why I can't retire. 